0: Welcome to the Mortal Realms. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the Realm Gate this episode are...
1: I'm Davey, and I'm heading to the Bone Zone. And I'm Eric. The E stands for Endures.
0: This episode, we're going to travel through the Realm Gates to Shyish, the Realm of Death all of which is completely and wholly within the control of Nagash, the undying lord of death. Never mind all those chaos warbands handing out beatdowns like they run on the place. We will be discussing all things undeath in the Age of Sigmar, starting with the four-part audio drama written by Josh Reynolds, following Tarsus the Bullheart and his Hallowed Knights. We'll be highlighting some of the stars of undeath in the AOS community and talking about our own experiences with death on the gaming table. Hey, Davey. How the heck are you?
1: I'm good. I got a little bad news. Unfortunately, Mal rolled a one when he's coming through the realm gate tonight, <laughs> and so he won't be joining us.
0: Well, uh, we're going to try and manage. Uh, I suppose a few more wounds uh, could help us get through this episode. Um, but uh, um, we've we've had enough uh, tangle with death that I think we can handle
1: this. Sure, yeah. He's just getting reforged. <laughs> All right.
0: Um, since our last, um, we have done a little something different. Um, we've recorded a Wapaka episode on the first part being recorded in a moving vehicle. Yeah. And, and the second part over a Skype conversations. So. Yeah, we
1: kind of figured that topic didn't uh, necessarily fit into our usual format. So we've done it as a supplementary episode. You're going to see it on the side. I know.
0: Little little moldering there.
1: Yeah, exciting.
0: So that you can listen to that beast on the channel. Uh, you know, skip over to that episode when you get a
1: chance. And uh another big thanks to Paul Wagner for joining us on that one. Absolutely.
0: So Davey, what have you been up to since our last episode?
1: Well, besides all the big pack of prep I did, I had a huge surge of working on the Slanish Cav Army for that and uh got a whole lot of stuff done. So it was a little little rushed and needs to needs to come back around and, and work on that. But uh I was very proud I can I can lay a painted army out um now. And uh finally. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No,
0: you got you got painted dwarves. Right. I
1: do, I do. The square bases, though, and yeah. Um,
0: but no, it's a great looking army, and uh, I'm really glad to see your kind of your paint scheme transferred all the other units that you added for PACA, And I'm really excited for you to kind of take that up to your your usual standard for sure.
1: Besides the models that I've already painted, I've got a I've got a few more units. So all I got to do is rebase and, and add them in. So that's that's gonna be fun. And it's nice to have that once you've got that army painted, you can come back and. Do a little work on it or just add units that that you're excited about. You're going to
0: put like a um, demon prince in there or something like that so I can bring the gash out?
1: uh well i don't know that demon <laughs> prince and nagash you're gonna go toe-to-toe but uh that's that's a good point i uh, down the line I, I really do want to get to get a nagash game so yeah we'll figure out how much i got to put on the table for that to to work out yeah a little you RCM. gotta have you gotta have a lot to be able to summon we might oh, have to start yeah. nagash on his own and, and, and yeah, because, see how that goes yeah exactly but uh but yeah that's good so so there's that and then uh and then it's just figuring out what the next project is, and uh, just kind of enjoying uh, painting, not against a deadline. Um, you, however, are all about the deadlines. So.
0: Well, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, um, I kind of wish I—I I mean, I was really excited to bring my undead to Packa because that's what I spend the most time painting on, and high standard, and that's the place you want to, you know, show things off. Um, and uh, but rushing that high of a standard to that kind of deadline is not not great. But I have set myself a lot of um, goals for the year, Um, and I actually started a YouTube channel to kind of explore that and, you know, trying to think of whether Mortal Realms should do any YouTube stuff, but I just kind of jumped into it. So I put up a video in January called Doomed to Succeed, the idea being that if I got everything that I thought I wanted to get done, done, I would probably be bankrupt, um, lonely and uh <laughs> and probably have to see my kids every other weekend or something <laughs> uh, not to get too sad about it um but so i put up uh, I've got about six or seven videos actually up on the youtube channel now um uh then uh, finish up the pack of stuff yep. and um you know just had a really great time there again, you can check out our pack episode to, supplementary episode uh, uh, go check um, it out <laughs> um. I started a table standard Skaven army out Mm -hmm. of an old Island of blood, um, half set. And, uh, was pretty proud about my, in, in about eight hours, I got 25 models, um, done. So, which is 20 clan rats, a couple of, uh, ogres, um, rat ogres, a warlord, a, a pack master, an engineer.
1: And you're putting up on one of these blogs, is that right? Yeah.
0: So the, the tale of gamers or sorry, tale of Sigmar, um, blog, um, put that in the release notes. You can check that out. There's a lot of people, there's a blog post going up all the time of people, you know, trying to uh, put up armies. Um, I was really pumped though, too. I wanted to do table standards, but I did not want to look at it and be like, Oh, that's garbage. So I came up with a cool, um, what I think is cool, um, complimentary color scheme, blue base, which you know, usually base black or whatever, but a uh, blue undercoat and then a dry brush of orange, which just kind of plays off each other a little bit. And then uh, um, a little bit of highlight, so brightened up the orange, brightened up the flesh. I do something a little bit different with the ogres. Yeah,
1: to, to be clear, I, I've seen these right over here, but uh, when you talk blue, we're not talking like an ultramarines blue on the on the bottom. It's a it's a kind little of more a gray subtle. Blue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it, it works really well, and it's this it's this thing of uh, when you pick a good color scheme, and not to not to get too in depth here, but a, a striking color scheme and some good some good. Um, Contrasts can can really carry things a long way uh even even if you're not going to put in like the the high level of detail yeah. um which you're not saying. to
0: mention i used a lot of cork and this uh, vallejo white pumice which is kind of like the the sterling mud you know where it has kind of grains in it and okay you put it on your base and it hardens up and it gives you texture yeah this is like that on steroids
1: and like yeah, this is a, was this a recommendation from Vince? Yeah, Vince Venturella. Yeah, Thank cool. you, man. You're
0: saving my life. <laughs> um, also, uh, unexpectedly, I was on a business trip to the, well, some plan, but a business trip to the UK. Um, managed to go see Warhammer World for yeah. like an hour and a half. Sounds rough. Uh, I met uh, Emma from Warhammer TV. So cool. she's the alternate painter um, on that. And so that was really cool. She's going to steal my... Lord of Bone Giant, Lord of Change, uh, idea. Now, were and you
1: showing her pictures on your phone, or how did she? Or she, did she follows saw me from, on Twitter, oh, so okay. she saw on oh, there, and, cool. and it's
0: she's totally going to do it better than me. Yeah, and I'm going to have to Sound unlike like her and yeah. un, unfollow her. Yeah, um, but then I also uh, impromptu a little bit as I was going over, tried to see if anybody was going to be around at Warhammer World, and uh, managed to hook up with uh Ben Johnson. Um, picked me up at a train station in Derby. And uh took me over to their local club and got to hang out with him and Ben Curry for an evening. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of uh jokes, uh, you know, messing with the locals I guess. Um, but I ended up found out I ended up causing Ben Johnson got a little bit of a parking ticket for, <laughs> for picking me up in the wrong spot. Right. So I'm gonna have to make it up Pass to him someday. The hat and sit it over. Yeah, it. no kidding. Yeah. Um but that's really what I've been up to. Um, despite then just colds and sickness and yeah illness.
1: No, it's been it's been, uh, Nurgle has taken hold pretty strongly yeah. over in this neck of the woods. But yeah. we are back. We are here. And uh, I think we're about ready to jump right in the community phase. The community phase. In the community phase, we talk about news and events that are significant to the AOS community.
0: So you had a really good idea uh, this week, and I think it's very appropriate. One of the most active members of our community um, on Twitter sp- especially but also having a really strong website and blog, um, specifically someone who's hung up on death quite a bit, Al- yep. you know, almost to you know like a degree that you maybe need to check up on him, make sure. Yeah, he's I okay. know.
1: Like, was he a goth kid growing up? No, uh, we're talking about Mengel miniatures, uh, Tyler Mengel, Tyler Mengel. Right. And you can find him uh, at Mengel minis uh, is his Twitter feed. Yeah. And, uh, Realize that we should we should highlight this because it's one of the things that I look at most frequently when I'm, you know, burning some. So about the
0: parts. only thing he doesn't have is a podcast. Yep. Uh, he's putting out videos on his YouTube channel. Okay. Um, kind of like video, like highlights of his minis, which he paints to a really well great standard. Incredible standard. Very
1: fun to look um, at.
0: And uh, pr- probably one of the coolest things of that is, yeah, if his photos and his models is he's got a fairly highly converted, uh, I don't know, I'd say highly converted high standard tomb king army um but some of the models in there are definitely converted and and you know well done he's got a chariot pulled by um two kind of mini um sphinx yeah they're kind of um what is it the the cats from the ogres the saber tusks but with um the Screaming Skull catapult, heads, yeah, heads I know on. that was a that was
1: a good parts find. Yeah, so like so. it's
0: just they're like, like the small versions of the the Necro Sphinx, which is just amazing. So things like that, but then yeah. just paint to a high standard. And then he he sets them up on this really cool display board with a partial pyramid in the back. Mm-hmm. Takes great photos, and then he cuts out the non display space and mm-hmm. replaces it with like photography and stuff of like deserts or artwork of deserts and yeah on um, that
1: sort of stuff. And from what I've seen in passing, I think he has a graphic design background and you can see that in his, it, it's some of the most, some of those visually impressive fan created stuff that, yeah. that you can find out there. So yeah. if you want to check it out yourself, you can go to his website, uh, dot com, And, uh, there's a whole lot of stuff there. Uh, there's some 40 K, some, uh, heresy stuff on there. Mm-hmm. If you, if you are a pure age of Sigmar person, You can click over on the left. I think it's got the Age of Sigmar up at the top, and it just filters it all for you so you can see what you want.
0: So he's reviewing all the the books and stuff that come out. Yep. Um, He's uh, actually right now, he's got a uh, miniature painting competition that he mm-hmm. does every year yep i haven't looked at the details because i'm just like oh no i don't want to try and paint. yeah no i'm like-. not gonna
1: put my finger painted you know <laughs> like it, it would be embarrassing for me to go up against some of this stuff it's just really impressive but i'll definitely be watching yeah. you know so
0: so he's got some tutorials as well i think um a lot of talk in early aos of going squares to rounds and cutting yep. things up and he he had the first tutorial up about that yep Um, What are some of the other things you've looked at? Uh, I took a look at
1: glowing eyes. I'm I'm thinking about one of my prospective projects, and maybe we'll talk about this another time. But uh, I'm looking at some OSL sort of things, and so he's got a glowing eyes tutorial and uh, snow bases, and just uh, browse around. There's there's a few on there, but they're they're very nicely done and well photographed, so they're 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 pretty cool there. Yeah, Uh, and more uh, more exciting for us and maybe relevant to this is that he has put he's taken that a graphic designer background and his, uh, hobby energy. And he's put it towards this endless deserts, uh, supplement. Yeah.
0: So he's kind of staked a space in the realm of shyish and he's called it the endless desert. And he's got a few things to back it up and kind of get into there. He's got a time of war that he put out, um, uh, that has some really cool. I mean, like most of the time of wars has some environmental effects,
1: right? Um, uh, if, if you, if you told me, if you put this in front of me and said, Hey, this is a screenshot of the upcoming white dwarf. It's going to be in here. I would say, Oh yeah, that totally looks legit. You know? <laughs> so uh, it's, it's really well done and it's really kind of on point, uh, with the way, I don't know, it it fits kind of the level of interactivity of the other time of wars that we've seen. So yeah. he's got things about, uh, the heat of the desert has a random effect that will Know slow units as they start to get dehydrated or you know worn out, and you could even die if you are incredibly unlucky and keep rolling the the, the bad results again and again. Um, shifting sands terrain may move after setup. Um, you got the usual spell um, that you you know is accustomed to, to being in that area. Um, some more environmental damage thing like skull storms that go across a little skew to the terrain. Well, and he, you
0: I think I saw in maybe a picture or something or. Thought of, and he confirmed using the vortex mm-hmm. uh, model that has like oh absolutely' like a whirlwind yeah, sure, with skulls sure, in yeah. it you know as a as a terrain piece showing this um, and then he also has some pieces that have to do with if you have Toon King and um, v c together playing yep. that there 's some internal conflict
1: yeah um, going on and that's you know that's that's what 's kind of fun about this sort of thing is is capturing finding a way to capture the flavor the background, and apply it to the table. So uh, really cool. Check it out. He's, uh, he's also, I think, going through some of the War Scrolls for Tomb Kings.
0: Yeah, so um, the the Tomb Kings have the initial PDF that came out when AOS came out that all the armies got. Um, unfortunately, in the upcoming or what's come out, the Death Grand Alliance, the Tomb King models, War Scrolls, are not in that book. Mm-hmm. They may come out a later date or came in another way. We don't know. But what he's done is taken his own models, um, made amazing photography, and then created kind of the similarly published war scroll quality for the Tomb Kings, and starting to put some of those out, which is really cool. Um, and I got a, I got a sneak preview of some of the kind of story background for his army and some things. So I think he's going to be putting that out soon in a template. I was like, dude, I want to. Give me your template, and I'll, yeah. I'll write some stuff up on my army. So it's it's just really inspiring and really makes you think about what you're doing in your hobby and, and other ways that, like, you know, there's plenty of times, I know, Davey you're you're at work. You, you sometimes bring your kit with you to try and do some painting, but it doesn't always work. Right. You know, so this it just shows you other things you can be doing in your hobby. Yeah, absolutely. When you can't be painting, when you can't be modeling, when you can't be playing. Yep. Um, so it really expands the idea of what hobbying means. Uh, yeah,
1: it's cool. And if you if you can do something like this, maybe it motivates you when you get back and you can do that time to paint to to get after it. So, yeah.
0: um, last thing to mention, and this is not specific to the um, to death, is he put out a, a conversion of the forty k. Uh, what are they call them, forty uh, k? Strategic Maelstrom, objectives. Strategic or something or Maelstrom of war. So like he's that. called them vital objectives. Yeah, and it's a d sixty six role. Yep, yeah. um, and. Yeah. At the beginning, so when you're playing, um, you can set up objectives on the table. I think six is what is recommended. Mm-hmm. And then um, each one's numbered. Mm-hmm. And you roll on the d66 table at the beginning of each turn. And you can roll it, you can choose between the two of you how many objectives you roll for. And right. when we've played, we kind of recommend a little more yeah. so you have options, right? Yeah. I've played one where you just roll a couple of them. Yeah. But if one of them doesn't work for you, then you really don't have any options. Right. Um so rolling three or four gives you some that you you know may not work for that turn but you can keep for later turns, etc.
1: Yep. And there's a mechanism for, you know, I've got this one that I will never ever achieve and you can you can shuck some of those in exchange for more random ones. So yep. so,
0: so every turn, um you you know, your 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 goal is never or rarely to just kill the other models or even a unit in fact if you're trying to capture a particular objective and one maybe that gives you quite a few um vital objective points it may be like no i'm not going anywhere near you know even if i have a suite could go over and knock it out i'm gonna lose victory points this turn
1: yeah uh, i mean there are some objectives that are specifically like yep. kill this kind of thing or yep. kill this but kill a monster uh, kill a right exactly but Hero. but it, what's what's cool about it is you again you have these it's not like let's just all pile in and fight like I, what i need to do like uh, i need to be sitting in this spot of terrain or i need to think about can i sneak around to the back of his army and you know grab on grab onto this so yeah. um, we got to we got to try it out i think before we published it we kicked it was kind enough to kick it our way and yeah. we we got to uh, test it out and it was pretty fun and i would recommend anyone who's thinking of trying it out is it Because of the random nature, you may have some individual turns that feel, wow, this is really skewed, uh, or possibly even a, a game. But I think over the course, the way it works is like over the course of a game or multiple turns or over the course of several games, it kind of balances itself out.
0: I think our first game, I got a lot of f- scores early on. Right.
1: But that I couldn't do very much about, no, and I it, was getting grumpy. After
0: Davy stopped pouting and dried his eyes, <laughs> yeah. um, he ended up winning the game, <laughs> and uh, I went and I just took my ball and went home.
1: Yeah, no, and, uh, <laughs> we, which is where we already were, so we were all good. No. but uh, what, what was exciting about it is we did come down to this last. It was like, okay, well, Eric's got this lead. Uh, I've got a couple ways I can go about this, which, which is the, you know, and I, I think I was I had some options. I was trying to I had to take down the bone giant, and there was another objective his. It's like, all right, the bone giant is like my swinging for the fence. You know, this is, if I go after the bone giant, I could get the, the, the win. If I go after this more conservative one, that's more likely to happen, but I'd be going for the draw more likely. And so it was, uh, it was fun. It had a, it had a fun, dramatic ending. Um, so I'd recommend anyone check it out. Yeah. Try it out. and it is
0: a great alternative if you're going to just plop down with uh, an opponent randomly. Yes, this is it, right? Um, yeah, and if just you're not sure what scenario to go rather with, rather than doing some of the sudden death stuff or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's really great to just kind of, and I think could even make unbalanced armies. You know, doesn't matter as much because you're going for objectives rather than kills and stuff yeah, like this. Worth so. checking
1: out. So uh, that's uh, MingleMiniatures.com at Mangleminis. Yeah. And uh, Tyler, Tyler. Engel. So, Thanks for all you're doing for the community, man. Absolutely. Uh, what do we say to tell these listeners a little bit of a story?
0: The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures,
1: and environments of the Nine Realms. This week, we're going to talk to you about the audio dramas which are set in the realm of Death, Shyish. And uh, a note before we get started... Uh, if you want a prelude to this whole story, Battletone Bloodbound actually contains it. Uh, there's a little little excerpt in there. Uh, it's one of the scenarios. gives a background of it. It, it kind of is a, a, a preview about what's going to happen. So, if you want the full arc, you could you could take a look in there. So, um,
0: and this isn't the first time we visited Death, right? um, shyish, in the in the books that have come out. Um, in the Call of Archeon, there's a corn arc in which uh, they spend some time in Death. Um, there's a little bit. Is there some time in the Fire Slayer book in death? Uh,
1: they don't always explicitly say what right. realm they're in. That right. you could. There was some inference that they they may be in there. Um, and I the, know f- the Fjord Fjords 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 Fjords. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, from death. <laughs> um, and then the uh, Hammers of Sigmar book. There's uh, there's some actually I, there were some of the things I enjoyed most about that particular one. They they had a little bit of foray into the realm of death.
0: A necromancer hiding in his, uh, kind of a hidden, uh, um, mansion or something, you know, hidden from the eyes of his enemies and, you know, skeleton army around him and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I haven't cool read character. that one yet. Hopefully,
1: hopefully we can, uh, find a way to wrap back around and, and maybe like they'll that continue
0: so. that story. Cause it's in the, it's in the arc, right? I mean, yep. in these main books, so yep. maybe they'll wrap around through the realm gate wars, right? So, um, all right, so the this p- series is mm-hmm. a four part series written by Josh Reynolds yep. for uh, enactment through the audio dramas and what yep. that means um, and what we tell you is sh- will not in any way um, ruin going and listening to these books because the the production quality I'm sure that there's a higher level of production quality out there, but f- compared to what we see what we get I mean it just throws you in the sounds, the clashing of battle, the sounds the characters the yeah actors uh, playing their parts and and kind of getting to know these characters in a in a way that you know kind of like where movies they show you exactly what a character is like right these do that as opposed to a book where you're in can i ask you things.
1: is this the first audio drama you've heard or um i'm I,
0: trying to think of one i've heard before i don't th- yeah i think it is um it's
1: definitely the first for me i know the black library has done them for uh, for the horace heresy uh, and so I don't know how it compares. I, I got to imagine it's you know what they've learned creating those. They've applied here. Um, uh, I've listened to plenty of audio books, and this is this is a very to, to be perfectly clear. It's a very different experience. There's you know the yep. music and the, the yep. it's definitely a drama. Effects. It's yeah.
0: like it's like when you have Netflix on or, or Hulu on. You're listening something but you're not watching it, you know, you're hobbying or whatever. So it's similar to that, yep. but maybe even more so because it knows it realizes it's just relying on audio yep. to capture the imagination.
1: And I will say as a, you know, just a observation, generally speaking, that they're not, uh, they're high on action, not high on subtlety. There's, there's a lot of, you know, they've, the, the, yeah,
0: co- lots of battles, yep. not the, the narration or not the narration, the dialogue. Yeah. It's very straightforward. Yeah. Um, Although, you know, like like most other things, there there's some nuance. Some of the characters I mean our Stormcast are the the most like archetypal archetypical, you know, hero, gotta do my job, gotta yep. go forward. Um, and some of our other characters probably bring the color, you know. Right. So all right. So the very first drama is called Prisoner of the Black Sun. Yep. And the other thing I guess we could talk a little bit about, and I don't know if if you saw a thread through this, and every single one of these, because I don't know if we need to... Do you want to talk about Nagash as one whole throughout these series, or do you want to touch base on his port as we go through?
1: We'll we'll touch base, because it kind of develops. There's some interesting trends with this, but each one kicks off with a monologue from Nagash, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, him, uh, open mic night, doing a little uh, one-man
1: uh, exhibition show. Well, what's cool is this is the first time we're seeing anything from Nagash, right? Yeah. I mean, and
0: that was how they pumped up this, this series in general is like, let's hear Nagash.
1: Yeah. We, we know he's around, but we don't know he's and he's British.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> to be fair, all of the actors in this are, so yeah, uh, we won't pin it on them for, for bringing us Nagash. Right. I would say thank you by the way. <laughs> um, so, um, so yes, it's, it's a monologue by Nagash. And in this very first one, um, he's talking about, I mean, it's almost like it's just his consciousness yep. starting to kind of open his eyes and see what's going on. Yeah. Um, prior to this in the all points war, um, you know, some of the backstory, uh, Ningash was part of the grant the, the Alliance with, mm-hmm. um, Sigmar and the other gods of order, right. Dest- death, death and destruction. And, um, they were fighting against chaos. Yep. Supposedly, stories, the stories believed as Sigmar has believed, or it's, we've been told some things, who knows, right? There's a strong implication the, that Nagash made a deal with chaos. Right. Um, and uh, kind of opened up his door to let them into the realms. And then he was betrayed and chaos um, tore him apart, that Archeon himself. Um, and some implication that Archeon is in shyish
1: at least uh pops in there once and once in a while to yeah. beat him down so um
0: so so nagash has been beaten down and this has happened many times in his history even in the world it was yeah where he's just been destroyed and his essence just creeps back through the cracks and lies and waits till he
1: gathers strength and battle tome ever chose not to get deep in that but it, it does imply that arcan really tries to keep tabs on what's going on with nagash okay. like hey it looks like you know he may be gathering to come back and so he's, he's trying to make sure that it doesn't happen. He takes it. Well, and, and
0: Nagash's source. power source is dead souls mm. souls. I mean, everything dies and that's something mm. that, um, gets brought up in some other, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's in this, in this we talk about, but I mean, everything, now, I think it's a, it's a Ionis talks about it in one of the other books, but everything dies. That's yep. the end place of everything. Yep. Um, and so Nagash's battery and in this first speech, he's just talking about why am I not getting stronger faster? Right. Some things have been stolen from me. Some of these souls—where have they gone? I don't know. I can't see mm-hmm. where they've gone. Mm-hmm. And he's alluding to, um, you know, the stormcast right. and the souls exactly. that have been harvested by Sigmar yep. for his army. Um, he talks about Nagashazar has been toppled. Mm-hmm. Great original names there.
1: Um, <laughs> that that does actually date back to uh, the the world that was. Okay. Yep. Great. Um,
0: so we got some Nagash's n- 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 nostalgia right there. <laughs> nice, rough, <laughs> <laughs> not, not clean. Um, <laughs> and then he talks a lot about how Nagat, that Shaiash is his body, that he sees and he he lurks all of those and uh, he yeah very much strikes out at, You know, calls upon this unknown who has taken his his souls as thieves. Um, so, anything else to add about the, that opener for? Nope, then no, we're going to keep
1: coming back to Nagash. He's, yeah. he's obviously, as you might imagine, a running theme in this. Yeah. Uh, but we do get introduced to another main character right off the bat, and that's uh, Tarsus.
0: And he, this might be one of, I'm really excited because, I mean, he, he's, I don't know that he's any more special than any other Stormcast as far as how his character's portrayed. But I really like this guy. I'm tempted to to make this Stormcast army right here.
1: You don't have very many projects going, so I'd say go for it. So yeah.
0: <laughs> so this is Tarsus, Lord Celestant of the Hallowed Knights. Um, the 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 Bull Hearts
1: Stormhost. Yep. This is this is the same storm host that uh, Gardas is from, right? Hallowed Knights. Uh, so
0: the how do they go? This, it's the same you know, it's the Hallowed Knights, yes. Yeah. Gardas is there. But specifically the the smaller chamber. That's right. It. So the storm host is the hallowed knights. This war chamber is the bull hearts. Um so uh you know it's made up of liberators prosecutors uh, adjudicators retributors kind of the standard troops um key here they're the silver armor blue shoulder pads with gold trim and just like gardus's crew yeah. they chant when when there's there's the cheerleader call i say who and you say
1: only the faithful yep. uh
0: they earn their name the bull Hearts, at the battle of cerulean shore uh, crashing into the enemy with the ferocity of oryx, um, and so um, yeah, they're the they were the fourth storm host, um, and they're filled with the faithful, and each called upon Sigmar in battle and died fighting for a righteous cause. Now, one of the things I was most excited when getting into these audio dramas was getting to know more about the surroundings of Shaiish, and I think you know we we're all when we're looking at any of these new. Realms. We're like, well, what is it like? What's there? And they're so vast that it's not just like one description of it. But in this first one, I took a collection throughout this. There's a lot of things that happen, and at very bits and pieces, they talk about the surroundings, and I kind of collected them all. I wanted to kind of share them up front before we get into some of the the storyline. So there's broken. So the place that they land is called the Veil of Sorrows. And there are broken city ruins strangled by vines.
1: Um, I mean, this this theme of broken cities, we see this a lot throughout. Yeah, yeah, this I mean, is chaos laid waste to shyish. Yes. Yeah,
0: so, um, you know, right now what we see here is yeah, broken cities. We'll, we'll get more into kind of, well, what were they? What were mm-hmm. they like as, in, as we go forward? Um, there's fast-rooting, twisting trees, stiff yellow grasses growing over and between the fields of bone clouds of crows and this is kind of a theme through this um uh, this story uh following them overgrown roads ruins hovels uh, you know this was once a city there's hourglass shaped mountains rising against the horizon which is really interesting another kind of iconic theme for the death in AOS is the hourglass um mountains that crumble just to be born again um Really cool clumps of pale flowers that softly sigh when you walk past them. They talk about birds and beasts that are born and die in the same day, uh, which not just mosquitoes, it doesn't seem like, but large things. Verdant fields, um, you know, healthy fields that wither in the moonlight, and then flourish when the sun rises again, trees that shudder at the slightest breeze, and the sky that is pale and dim in the mid, middle of the day, as if the sun feared to show itself in the land of the dead.
1: Yeah, this is the kind of details that's pretty, pretty fun to, I was going to say read, but in this case listen to, because we're getting, it, it's filling out some of this world. And that's, that's what a lot of people crave about this sort of fiction. I mean, it's the reason we're coming to the fiction, right? Is to understand the world that we're playing our games in.
0: Absolutely. And so there's a lot of really cool things here. I mean, some of it might feel a little, uh, I always like the things that are mixed. I mean, certainly there's things that feel like, yeah, I would expect that to be death, right? Yeah. And other things like those, the description of the flowers or like animals that come to life are born and then die in this, you know, just this cycle of death is something that happens here. Right, right. Now, again, like I said, in these audio dramas, one of the things that we see is is a lot of combat. Now, they, they do a really great job, I think, of each combat feeling different. They're never the exact, it's never the exact same combat, and, and certainly they can, um, I would say, you know, they're not necessarily re-listenable kind of, Stuff, but to go through it, you know, um, they do good job with the description and telling you how they're getting through this this combat. Mm. Uh, it opens up, and they're in combat with the Bloodbound. Tarsus is taking a blow. Um, you know, he's he's just the bullheart, and he talks about his his sword is the horns, and his hammer is the hoof, um, and so he's just kind of going through, and and in this case, you know, he takes some blows, um, and we get introduced to his lord Relictor who comes and kind of intervenes for him and his, uh, his name is
1: Ramis, um, of the shadowed soul. Yeah. I forgot that. So for him, that's an interesting one. So,
0: yeah. So, um, um, uh, and, and it talks again and we've talked in other things that the Lord Relictor's job is to keep the souls of the hallowed Knights from the gloom of the underworld, uh, with words and fires. So he, he prays and lightning strikes over and over, um, uh, across the, the, people are fighting and he ends the battle
1: this is actually so and i think i've actually mentioned this before it's not clear to me you have lord Relictors here and it says their job is to keep the souls getting reforged and all that sort of thing how does this work when the lord Relictor isn't there like is it it must be a thing where like there's preparations prior to combat or you know ministrations he can do before battles join but you know they don't they don't quite uh, explain all of that. Yeah,
0: know, they here. don't break down the science uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. here,
1: <laughs>
0: but uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like in some cases it's very much um, you know just through the presence that they have. But there's certainly cases where you know the Lord Relictor isn't the one present. In, right. Uh, exactly. In the Hallowed Knights in um, in uh, Garan, yep. you know, it's the um, Lord Castellan that comes with him rather than the Relictor. So yeah, I don't know. It, it might be that kind of preparation ahead of time or blessing, yeah, um, kind of thing prior. Um, but I will say the Lord Relictors do a ton more damage in these stories than they oh, do on yeah. the table. Oh, it's bananas. So, uh. <laughs> but I think, I mean, they're, they're like, uh, battle ending, uh, powers. So I suppose you don't want any more, uh, six dice spells going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. To, to represent this on the table, they'd have to do instead of D three mortal wounds, they have to be doing like, you know, 10 D six mortal wounds. And, it, just, and it jumps. On yeah, the two exactly. <laughs> yeah. It jumps over. So, so um,
0: uh, so they go through they they and the battle ends. I mean it's it's not a significant battle, but it just shows that as soon as they got here, they're hitting you know they're hitting the ground hard, um, getting beat up. Um, they they're marching, um, and they talk a lot about the centuries of training that the stormcast have gone through. Mm-hmm. So these are you know they're not just this is their first time setting down. So they're you know setting down. They've got centuries of training. They're coming in, and t- they talk a little bit about. Uh, Tarsus's memories, um, the weight of the sword and armor, a purple cloak, a screaming of horses on a battlement um, in a burning citadel versus something with, a, with large wings, um, the name Tarsem, and the word Hellstone, um, you know, and not much else. So it's, it's just a glimpse. And most of these stories have their Lord Celestine has, you know, some memories. Right. So there's a conversation between him and Ravis as they're marching
1: this and. kind of sets up Rammus' role. He's, he's, uh, he doesn't have a lot of nuance to him. I think he, he's kind of there to be the, uh, hey, what's up with this? I don't know that this is going to be uh, the greatest idea. Like, do you think Nagash is going to really listen to us? And you'd think, because as far as we know, as far as we've seen so far, each Lord Relictor is pulled from the realm of death. Uh, is that not? Um, I think
0: there's some evidence in the Stormcast book talking about Lord Relictors that they are um, kind of magic users. Um, okay. So they may not necessarily f- could be all from all over the realm. Okay. So there, there's kind of but Ionis is from the realm of death. We know he is. Yep. Um, and so there's
1: certainly that tone. The, but the I think one from Hammers of Sigmar was so that, I mean that that was the example yep. so I would presume that was the case for so all and, but I, and I
0: think I mean it feels like Ramus through here has some notions of the realm of death as so well. Whether
1: well, that's through his training but, or, uh, or yeah. Yep. Okay. But,
0: but he doesn't always recognize as many things going on in the where they're at, right. For me to be like, oh, he's totally, you know, here. But I think the Stormcast Battle Tome talks about that they're pulled from other places. But, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah. they're having a conversation, and Ramus asks the question um, on whether or not Tarsus thinks that he, meaning Nagash, oh. will listen. And we don't know much more before you know, um, and and Tarsus, you know, kind of halts the questioning. So it's not us for, for us to question. But our concern is to gain the audience and begin common cause to you know align ourselves. Um, they've been sent here to find the gateway into the underworld of Stygix.
1: Um, and I there's, pause for a second there because I, I think uh, I think it's an interesting uh, notion here when we talk about the yeah. realm of death. This this makes it clear like the realm of death is not in itself just entirely an underworld. Like uh, you know, there's living people. There's there's like an underworld of the realm of death so it's this uh stygix is distinct and different from the realm of death itself yeah so. i don't
0: think i don't think they're gonna let us get a grasp on what these realms are or are not right because i mean just like in Garen, um Alarial is in kind of a pocket yep. part of that like realm of that realm yep there's realms within realms kind of thing right um, and almost like you can you can shape it you know these you know so and, and but Yeah. So Stigix is your traditional idea of, you know, I mean, Stigix, like the river Styx, right? You know, it's it's the passing. It's where you actually go. Um, So supposedly there's nine gates to this. So another, again, too, we've talked about what is a gate, right? Gates could be realm gates. They can be go to specific spaces, realms from each other, or they could go to all points or they could be warped and go in different ways. But these are just nine gates that go specifically to Stigix. And the the Sigmar over you know a century long uh, has had scribes scouring the records from before the time of the All Points War um, to to find, figure out where these are, and so that information that they've uncovered about those nine gates they've given to nine chambers, mm-hmm. um, and Tarsus's bull hearts being one of those chambers, right? To find a gate and gain audience with Nagash, yeah. that's that's their objective. Yep. Um, and, uh, Tarsus says in this kind of exchange that he would, you know, they're kind of going back and forth on whether or not, you know, is this even make sense? Is it even worth doing? And Tarsus being of the faithful says that Sigmar wouldn't send us here to do this if it wasn't worth doing and possible. Yeah. Um, and you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> exactly. And, and Tarsus, um, you know, let's, let's, uh, Ramis know that he would not turn down any Alliance if offered. Right. And this is a little bit after they've been beaten down a few, you know, they've just coming up against fight after fight after fight. Now, um, there's a cry from above. So the prosecutor comes down to kind of alert them and they see a rocky outcropping with a structure at the top. It's a domed roof. Uh, it's a ruin. Um, and, uh, but it's it kind of stands out amidst the scenery that they're in, and Tarsus is optimistic. He says, "Well, maybe there's maybe this is where that is." And they've obviously they've landed in the Vale of Sorrows. That's where you know their intel tells them they should be. Yep. So maybe that's where it's at. That's where the 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 stigix Stig- 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 is. I want to say skrillex. But skrillex. <laughs> that's not quite right. Um. So they they do something. They form up. Um, they kind of shield wall on the, all the sides of the, of the, you know, formation. There's a a wide road that they kind of snake up in this formation. It's lined with skulls, brass and iron pikes, um, bones and armor piled below them. And Tarsus, as they're walking by, asks Ramus if they're still alive because they see there's something in them. Maybe they're, I don't know if their heads are turning or watching them or like, Jaws are moving or something mm-hmm. like that, but he gets the impression that they're still alive. And, uh, uh, Ramos just says, no, that this is just the way of shyish. Nothing truly dies. These souls are bound here. Right. And they're just, you know, part of it. And they you know, get up to the top. There's more bones, crows hopping from heap to heap as they get to the top of this. And corns sigils, um, are everywhere. So, yeah. Uh, they go into the domed building, or they go to check out the domed building a little bit more. It gives a little description. Uh, it's not much. It was hard to follow a little bit. Uh, domed, there's a domed roof. There's yeah. domed, curved walls. Um, seemed like there was a lot of skill that went into this. Um, may have been beautiful once, they say. Crows circling in vast numbers again. And there's uh, symbols carved onto the walls of this ruin um, sun, moon, stars. Comets, these other kind of just icons of the heavens, um, and uh, while they leave some judicators and liberators outside, they head in. It's pretty cool in here, um, and and here's where the, the the black sun from the story comes in.
1: Right. It's interesting I, looking through this description now. It seems not quite in keeping. I think I I think I pictured this to actually be the numinous oculum, uh, like. Uh, that terrain piece, but that was, that was what I somehow attached it to in my mind. So I think of it like, um,
0: things that were in the nineties or whatever, where you could like put a dude in the middle, like holding on to like arms and legs strapped in and they would like rotate in 360 degrees.
1: It's like space camp or something. I don't don't know. Something like Like, that. But I mean,
0: you always have it in some movies where you'd have like, yeah, Oh, anyway. space camp.
1: There's your movie reference. Mal's not here, but <laughs> Mal's it's, not here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's you know it's multiple rings that rotate in different axes. Yeah, on, its, sure. on each other. Um, it's made of of iron. Uh, they call it uh, what is it called? The orrery. Orrery? orrery. <laughs> um And there's holes in the aurory, um, and there's that the, the light from the sun. There's a there's an opening in the ceiling in the domed ceiling, and light passes down, and pours through those holes and casts um, kind of a celestial map on the floor. Um, here though, they make, they do make some Tarsus, you know, they're kind of speculating, Hey, you know, there's murals on the walls. Um, and they're speculating is, you know, these representative of the, of the sky here. Um, but Tarsus makes some comment that the, the stars of this realm are in upheaval Mm. and that Ramus says it wasn't always that way. That Since chaos has come, um, before chaos, there was a specific, you know, we think of, which is also interesting because when, you know, obviously astrology here on earth, yeah, wherever you're on earth, you're going to see the same kind of set of stars right. on rotation. It sounds like there's something similar here, but it's not a planet, right? Right. Right. Yeah, else, yeah. right? So but there's to, something. Sure. Maybe in, isn't Azir.
1: Yeah. It's again, we, it, we don't have a clear like layout of how these realms relate to each other and what why are the... Near. Are the stars of all the realms? Is that Azir? It yeah. could be because like the underworld of the of the yeah the science force. Where's <coughs> the science? Uh, you know if the if the underworld of all the realms is shyish, then maybe the you know maybe the, the right the, the, heavens sky, the, the heavens of all the worlds is, is Azir. So there's yeah. some possibility there. No, but, yeah,
0: yeah, that's definitely that's definitely an interesting take. Um, and so there is one one wall that doesn't have a mural on it. Right, has a a, a sword stuck into it with a, uh, kind of a basket and yeah. basket hilt. Um, so just an odd little thing there. Um, they're looking at the place. I think they're about to go when Ramis notices something inside the orrery. What and, is What do they find?
1: Well, as they, as they go up, they realize there's someone there. looks like a man held aloft, spiked up into this thing. And, uh, like, okay, what's up with this guy? And, oh, holy cow, he's alive, you know, right. uh, or alive in a, in a manner of, of speaking. Uh, and so they move in, and there's there's some, uh, he's got these brass spikes through his hand. It looks like he's been tortured a lot. Uh, certainly, if uh, you're a prisoner of corn followers, it's probably not a, probably not a good time. Um, and uh, they are trying to figure out what to do, and they... So they go up and and start talking to this guy investigating and he's got these red eyes and like Tarsus says, what are you? But he knows somehow that this is a vampire and the vampire comes right back at him and says, what are you? you know,
0: yeah. So super interesting exchange. And this is one of those places where the, yeah, he says, uh, yeah, he kind of throws the question back at him.
1: Yeah. Um, and it makes sense because vampires are a known quantity in the realms, but storm cast eternals are a new thing. So yeah. they're, they're the stranger thing than a um, vampire here.
0: But, uh, so as they're talking, um, he starts pleading for them to kind of free him, let him go. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a meager wanderer and I've been, you know, obviously I can't die. So, um, the, this, he kind of talks about this, uh, Tarko war bringer. And so he talks about how they you know caught him, and instead of, you know, how do you kill something that can't, you know, doesn't die, um, you know, pinned them up and never so often when they get bored, they come back and they cut them up and they torture him and that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, so Tarsus asks his name and he's elusive yep. again. He so what, what use is a name when you're, you know, pinned up like this, release me and I'll, I'll tell you about it. I'll give you my name. And Tarsus, um, in his mind, he, well, he says out loud, he says, vampires are not to be trusted. They lie as easy as other men breathe, and treachery festers in their veins. And he didn't know where those words came from. It right. felt like he'd spoken them sure. before. Um, and the name Hellstone came back to his mind. And then the vampire, then he says, well, then kill me, Stormcast. I thought you didn't know who we were. Yeah. And uh, the vampire says, well, I asked the question you infer what, whatever you inferred is on you right you know so he's not he's not being direct he's not being forthright he you're right I and mean, like there's he says well, who are you but it seems like he's more asking tarsus to question that himself rather than yeah that he didn't know That's a so, good point sure so it's an interesting from the get-go this vampire is playing with his head and you know being indirect and and
1: um a little sly but crucially for uh, for tarsus and his Bullharts here the vampire does mention that he's looking for he was looking for a gateway to stigix and this is something that they're also looking for so all of a sudden there is this implication that they may have common cause
0: yeah well and i got a little worried because tarsus immediately is like oh where where are you looking so he kind of gives away their mission and how much they need it right how much they're looking for it i think that gives the vampire a little bit of an upper hand in here um so I was a little disappointed in Tarsus for being so uh, eager, <laughs> but, uh, um, so he, you know, tells him about the will bringers and, and he, you know, as he's finishing his story, he says, well, they're, they're due any time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a prosecutor comes down through the skylight and says, Tarsus, we've got, uh, we've got enemies approaching we had company. Yeah. <laughs> and Tarsus kicks himself a little bit for being too enthralled with this vampire and not, you know. Um, and they, the prosecutor counts the warband as twice their number uh, with quite a few war beasts. Yep, Corgras um, specifically, yeah. right? Um, absolutely. So, you know, Tarsus asks Ramus to fortify the internal structure, and he heads out to kind of get a lay of the land.
1: Yeah. And so then we have the blood bound are, are coming on, and we get some descriptions of them. Uh, they're led by Woe Bringer, uh, it, it's kind of a neat take on this. Woe Bringer is specifically really good at handling beasts right so he's got uh he's got a particular core called blood swiller coming with him and uh they um i think he's kind of described like that exalted deathbringer yep, model yep. he's got the he's big got horns the, and the
0: curvy horned head yep. and, and light on the armor um yeah. with the huge giant axe in one hand yeah. and the clawed gauntlet uh, yep.
1: on the other and um, uh and yeah he's the master of 100 beasts so that's, yeah that's there
0: and let me ask you this davy who will hold when the demon winds rage,
1: apparently only the faithful exactly yeah. so
0: um uh, so there's a, some some dialogue the wool bringers chatty, chatty chatty, chatty yeah, chatty yeah. um Ramesses makes note of that, and Tarsus says, well it's all the more time for us to uh to you know get set up and get all ready mm-hmm. and then bloodswiller and like three or four other Korgoraths charge yeah uh, charge the line, and they do this interesting um the first, there's a first row storm of, uh, liberators that take a knee, put their shield down on the ground. And then a second kind of stand next to them or right behind them and put their shield up. So almost, you know, probably like a six, seven foot wall right. kind of thing going on. Yep. Um, and, uh, the, you know, one core grass, like distracted by prosecutors, um, another, um, you know, kind of comes in and just disintegrates one of the walls. Um, you know, the shield walls um, and gets through, um, and uh, Bloodswiller, so they're kind of describing all these different kind of small combats. And then Bloodswiller makes it through um, and heads towards Ramus, And Tarsus tries to intercept. But Bloodswiller is faster than he looks and stronger than the other ones. So the Bloodswiller picks up Ramus and just shakes him like a ragdoll. Yeah. Pounds him against the ground a couple of times. And uh the vampire calls out to Tarsus. And he says, free me. Yeah. And I'll be able to save uh, your friend and um so tarsus doesn't flinch at this point he's like i got this has to happen um he frees the vampire takes the pins out and um the vampire's like jumps like without i mean like so fast and like blur up to the wall to grab his sword pulls it out leaps down on the blood swiller he stabs him in the back of the neck um and starts you know just you know shoving it around and trying to get it in and he says Uh, he said, what are you waiting for? Fools? (laughs) Help me kill this thing. So he's not quite able to take it himself. He seems like there's a little bit of a,
1: a fib there. Yeah. In how powerful he could, you know, do, you know, how much he could be helpful to be fair. He may have also been pinned up against this thing for, you know,
0: right. I mean, he's, he's weak. He's, he's not at full strength for sure. Um, and so Tarsus and Ramus both dig their hammers to the thing. Um, and, uh, and then they look around and see that the other Korgoraths are dead as well. So
1: they take out the rest of
0: the, all the, the Korgoraths are are down.
1: Yep. And now it's big game on, big battle. The playing field is level. Korgoraths are down. Yep. And uh, now there's a vampire on the side of the Stormcast. Yeah. So uh,
0: so they back up into the, you know, he gives some like Tarsus goads, um, Tarka, the Woe bringer to, you know, bring in more and they charge in. They back into the main chamber and stuff like that. Grass and other core grass are tearing down walls. The one thing that we didn't mention is that Ince in the army is a different kind of beast. When he, you know, looking at the Woolbringer's army, there was one strange beast there. Um, a strange, lean, loping shape made of dark metal and other unknown things. And Tarsus asks, what's that? And the vampire says, that is a sugar wolf. Um You like my impression there. Um, and Rammus knows this as a dread abyssal terrible things, but also belies that the vampire may not just be this, you know, nobody. Right. Right. This is a.
1: Big if he's deal. got a dread abyssal, then right. He's...
0: Maybe everybody here knows who we're talking about yeah. already, right? Um, but we won't reveal that yet. So they go inside. There's, I mean, the the battle basically comes to them. Mm-hmm. Walls are getting torn down. Debris is falling down. And uh, uh, you know, um, the Tarka comes in mm-hmm. and comes in to challenge, and Tarsus is going to challenge him. Um, the vampire jumps up to the top where, you know, of the, the dome outside kind of it's crumbled and half broken in and he starts chanting and he's got his like arms wide and he's chanting and, um, Tarsus can't quite focus on him right now. He goes in after Torka beat down the trade and blows. Um, Torka actually knocks him down Mm -hmm. and he's about to like bring an ax down. He manages to dodge it just as, um, this purple haze goes over all the bones and piles that are laying around that we mentioned before and they come to life yep. and they intervene and they start scratching and and their broken swords and rusty swords and, um, crawling and clamoring and crass grasping onto the, um, the will bringers, uh, war band.
1: So now we're full on, you know, vampire plus skeletal legions on the side of the storm. Cast Absolutely. So
0: storm cast and skeletons raw.
1: Yeah. And this, um, uh, this swings the balance, right? So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, you know,
0: even though Tarka is torn down, like everybody else torn down, but he gets back up. He charges after Tarsus. Um, when he comes in, he had brought the Dread Abyssal with him, mm-hmm. and a Stoker tries thinks he's got the best of this beast. Yeah, he frees Shigaroth and says, "Go kill the vampire." Yeah. First thing it does is turn around, just bite its torso off. Um, and so Shigaroth's nobody's much language, uh, and so you know, flies away or whatever. Yeah, um, as Torka, Tarka is charging after Tarsus for one last, like you know, hoorah, yeah. uh, shadow, uh, seen over type of Tarka, the bull bringer, and Shigaroth just comes out, pounces on him, rips him to shreds, and and uh. While he, you know, I'm just imagining a Shigaroth and just like feasting and fury frenzy and uh, the vampires is sitting on top of him. Just kind of like, sorry about taking that kill, but a blood was owed to us. Yeah. Um, So uh, Tarsus understands. Um, So Tarsus says, you know, you have my thanks. Vampire shakes his hand and the vampire finally introduces himself. Is Manfred von Karstein, Count of the Hanging Wood. I don't know what that last part means,
1: but Hanging I'm really curious. Wood. Yeah, I tried to try to reach back. I don't know if that's even a reference to the world that was. I, I don't recall yeah. that existing there, so this may be something else altogether. Yeah. But Manfred certainly is, yeah. is from the world that was, and it's it's not. We'll we'll uh, learn a little bit more about him. It's it's there's been a lot of time passed, so I don't know how much yeah. is still. How much he remembers of it's what he used to be or if he's, you know.
0: Well, then, you know, if you've looked on the website through the model range and that sort of stuff, we know that he's a Mortark. Yeah. And, yep. and uh, in the world that was, he played a pivotal role. Yep. In the world just getting obliterated. Yeah, so, yeah. um And I will say that in previous stories in the world that was, he's definitely a, characterized as a very self-seeking. Yep. Um, and And whiny. Is that a good word? I mean, he's just, he just feels like he's never gotten the right shake, and he's always being underestimated and right. undervalued. Um, just a little self-pity. Yep. Um, so we're, the the character we've talked to so far isn't that. I don't think we've, we're seeing any of that right now. So um, it's really interesting. Um, and he says, Manfred says that he will help them find the gate to Stig- Stigix. Uh, he says, I can lead you there. I owe you for freeing me. And he says, perhaps for more than just that. Hmm. So I don't know if that means and to sugar too, or, um, and then, but then, uh, Tarsus felt as if he'd lived through this before and wondered if in a, this past life it had turned out, uh, in a, in a positive way and he doubted it. But at the end of this, then they leave, um. Leave these ruins, and they they head out uh, along the same path. They've got the same goals
1: for now. So this launches into Sands of Blood, the second entry here. Same author, and like all these entries, we kick it off with another monologue from Nagash. And you can see a gradual change in change in his tone on these. Here he's he's getting a little he's a little less uh, wrecked, although he does still talk about being. Uh, being weak you know nagash must not die this cannot be this shall not be but you see him growing growing a little more confrontational uh he says who has taken what is mine and in this there's there's a i, I enjoy there are a couple mentions of some interesting place names the rhyme encrusted hell's point the hourglass line streets of the city of lost moments or the toppled towers of moors and Moore's end, in particular, is going to be interesting. People who know the world that was, because Moore was god of death back in mm. in that uh, for for the empire. So, and there's the the trains at the Garden of Moore, right? Exactly. So uh, you don't know. Did Moore somehow come forward, or is this just Nagash? You know, kind of rubbing rubbing his face yeah, right. even when he's consumed and dead. So, uh, but we're starting to get a sense that maybe this isn't going to go well because Nagash is clearly pretty pretty torqued off about these uh these souls that slip his grasp uh and he says uh who has taken what is mine and he refers to thieves plural and it's actually i uh, so he says, can't find these thieves and thus he grows weak so i want to take a second and, and delve into this a little bit so sigmar is taking the stormcast eternals and that isn't i mean there's a lot of them but not a crazy huge number you think a lot of souls are still going to Nagash. now is it important that these are all heroes so presumably they're like very strong souls or very you know uh or is it is it just that Nagash is is greeting wants everything or yeah. you know
0: yeah i mean by this time most of the realms have lost all of their people mm. so you think of all that death yeah unless it, you know between the time Nagash died and now you know those deaths were a lot of before this so you know he needs everything he's got. There's not much there isn't as much dying in the realms except for chaos because they're fighting each other and that sort right. of thing. So and maybe, doesn't
1: the Gash lay claim on, on uh chaos souls or is I'm that so. The um they do, but if they're you know, if your soul is pledged to chaos, it probably goes and uh has eternal damnation somewhere else. Yeah, so it's not yeah, clear. Like if he's not getting chaos true. souls and he's not getting stormcast souls, and maybe he's not getting many. Anyway. Yeah. So, I thought I, yeah. I know the implication here is that, obviously, Sigmar is, is stealing these and it's setting up this conflict, but yeah, reading plural. between the lines, I couldn't tell if there was if there was more thieves than just Sigmar, yeah. and if Nagash is, you know, he talks about being weak, is it really just because all he's losing are these Storm Castles? Anyway. Yeah. But... It's- just like every uh just about every entry here, as soon as that is done, we launch straight into a battle. This is a battle on the red sands. And well, we're fighting Bloodbound again. Yeah.
0: So in real quick, um the cool kind of environmental here yep. is uh the red sands and you know, kind of like, you know, like well, what does that mean? You know, and and Manfred tells them it's not that it's just sand. Yeah. That's been turned red. Mm-hmm. This this is actually kind of where Nagash came through and like destroyed mm-hmm. a ton of living beings and this is actually the blood of all of those beings drained of their essence mm. and it's you know it's you know last physical form is this sand and so it's just it's dried blood right so dried uh, that it's turned into sand and it blows and there's exactly. storms and there's walls of it you know just like any of the um, mummy movies yeah right? where they're running sandstone. through the Right through the sandstorm, and they're just yeah, coming after him like We'll see sort of that stuff. a little bit later here too. So, so, um, th- so the blood sands are literally made of just the driest of blood. Mm-hmm.
1: Now here, so it's another battle of the blood bound. Blood bound, and we've seen we've seen blood bound fights with Stormcast plenty of times at this point. So, Diamond does Yeah, that in itself is not interesting. However, we do see the very first. Evidence of uh, survivors, mortal survivors yeah, in the realm of death. So you have some some free people. They have a caravan, and that's what this battle boils down to: is uh, saving, saving these mortals. Because um,
0: if there's no, there's no treasure greater to Sigmar than you know
1: people. Right. Exactly, and that's that's why they're there. And so they they definitely like they they see it as their as their duty. Uh, one thing I also did like about this battle is that just a normal blood warrior almost takes tarsus down you know it, yeah. uh sometimes we get bound up in like you know oh we killed 400 blood reavers and yeah. 300 blood warriors and you, you forget that they can be individually dangerous foes so uh he's he's fighting that off manfred saves him and there's some talk about who owes who yeah. or, do you, you know do you really need to save him exactly so uh but uh, battle completes there's a little bit of reiteration uh as with all of these it's they, there's no guarantee that if you've if you're listening to this, you've listened to the other ones. So they kind of got to reintroduce the characters, reintroduce some of the core plots. So the descriptions, exactly. So you're going to work your way through through some of that. Uh,
0: but they meet with the people. They yep. they're down there after you know, and, and there's a, a woman mm-hmm. who is kind of a, a guard, Aisha, um, and she's a little intimidated by the these large lightning men, right? Um, as are the other men of the, the troop. Mm-hmm. Um, but she you know steals her heart, and she addresses them, and yep. um, they talk a little bit. They talk about being from Moor's End themselves yep. um, and that they're on a pilgrimage.
1: Yep. The Stormcast make, and again, talking pilgrimage, this has these uh, religious implications, right, yep. by the virtue of the word. And, and the Stormcast observed, like, even in the realm of death, faith of some sort flourished. Yep. So this is something that's... And this
0: storm is coming Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, we need shelter. We need to get these people to shelter. And uh, where are we going to go? Yeah. And Aisha talks about uh, the sepulcher, Mm -hmm. the the temple that they're going to. Um, And so Tarsus asks, but not so much asks uh, if they can come to. And so they all make way there.
1: Yep. Uh, And Manfred's aware of this place and he says, oh yeah, I guess that'll work. So he, he leads the way there. And uh, they're heading back. And at this time, Tarsus has another flashback. Uh, again, well, his, this name, Tarsum and Hellstone and birding battlements and the terror that he felt that day. This all comes, you know, flooding back to him. And uh, he's got this thing where he's like, oh, I'm not sure what this is. And we who have the advantage of having read about Gardus with his flashbacks and Vandus with mm-hmm. his flashbacks, we're like, yeah, obviously dude, it's you. Like Tarsim is you. You're you're having, you know, previous life flashbacks, but uh, you know, such is the way. Uh, he comes out of this and he he notices what he thinks is Sigmar's emblem on Aisha, and this is something that doesn't get I don't I didn't see it get fully explored later, so I, I was I'm interested if this is a thread that'll get picked up in another background, but he says uh uh Sigmar has not abandoned you, and Aisha says no, not Sigmar. So she's got faith in something else uh and it doesn't make it clear exactly what that is so pretty
0: interesting right. and maybe she's talking about what they get introduced to later but
1: maybe yeah the the brothers maybe we'll, we'll, you know um that that could be it but uh and he makes this comment here you know their mission is to find an entrance to the underworld but their duty is to see that no harm comes to the downtrodden so uh they're going to try and dual task here and, and keep protecting these pilgrims right. so they're making their way towards Sepulchre, it's this temple uh and they're trying to race this storm big ol' big old storm that's going to strip away everything is is right on their heels yeah. so.
0: so they get to the temple and as they're going there there's a um nagash talks or sorry um manfred talks to him a little bit about the things that haunt that area mm-hmm. um ghosts and spirits that come out of the storm to you know uh, reap what they're owed um but um you know they don't really see much of it or you know it's a little just a hint at we mm-hmm. don't, they don't really see anything or come across anything at that point, point. Um, and then they make it to the temple.
1: Yep. And the whole way there, they know they're being shadowed by the the bloodbound are out there, not quite engaging, but are you know they they figure it stands to reason these bloodbound are probably searching for shelter too, so they may be being followed. Okay. Um, so as soon as they get to the temple, they're like, all right, uh, you know, let's let's make sure we can settle in here, and uh, we have a we have an inter- interesting interaction. This is where the pilgrims are going, so they yep. they. Uh, they come into the courtyard and they find a line of robed and cowed shapes. The
0: woman and the uh, others in the caravan address them. Uh, they have a leader that comes and meets with them and accepts them and accepts the storm cast in as well. And saying, "Yep, is you know, if you brought them the storm, you're welcome."
1: Yep, identifies himself as a brother Marcus. Says, "Welcome, wayfarers, to the bastion of final rest." We see these guys. They seem like priests. There's. Uh, At first, they estimate over at least 70 of them, and we later find out there's 77.
0: Um, And unexpectedly, uh, like the rest of the pilgrims come up to where Brother Marcus is, the 77 come and kind of, I imagine, kind of line up. And uh, the pilgrims open their arms or pull their their clothes back from their arms, and Brother Marcus and other of the 77 uh, bite into them.
1: Right. And they have this. as The pilgrims say, "Greetings, restful brother. We come from Moor's End and seek to honor the tithe from before." And so, there's some ritual going on here. It's a, uh, it's because they're they're willingly doing mm-hmm. this, and we get a chance to uh, get a chance to look a little bit further into that. They talk about the debt of blood to the seventy-seven restful brothers. These these seventy-seven vampires, uh, at some point in the past, helped to defend the people of Moor's End, yep. and now. The people of end owe it to them, and so it's yeah. is cool. Like, I, I this is one of my favorite parts, uh, particularly this one, maybe of this of this series, is yeah. is like, hey, you know, we got these. It's casting vampires in a different light. Like yeah. we're we're seeing we're seeing Manfred, and we're all suspicious of him. But here's these that have defended mortals. And now mortals are you know standing up for them. So that's yeah. pretty cool. The,
0: and the yeah the yeah and she says, Aisha says this: the dead hold their honor sacred. Can the living do any less? Right. You know. And so there's definitely a sense that yeah, it's not black or white. Um, right, And it's this just interesting relationship, especially as we think about, yeah, there's living people mm-hmm. who have chosen to, to... I mean, I can't think that it's necessarily like anybody can just migrate wherever they want within the realms. Right, exactly. But, but people have grown up here sure. living around the dead. Sure. And that relationship is just completely different than what our stereotypes are of vampires and
1: ghouls and ghosts and whatnot. Right, yeah, they, did. they have... Um, we shouldn't be so prejudiced. <laughs> right. Well, but, and this is one of the better parts of... Uh, when when the mortals here are making are, are interacting, there's some lines that they they say that you're like, oh, okay, like I I get it. Like they, you know, um, may you have a good death, or this this line about the the dead hold their honor sacred. Can the living do any less? Uh, so they. Because they're in this realm that's just saturated with death, there's no escaping from it. So they yeah. have a different relationship to it than than uh, we're used to reading about. It.
0: Do you but. think people think the hourglass figure is more attractive? <laughs> 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 <Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but but Tarsus is definitely taken back and appalled mm-hmm. by the scene, um, and I don't know if he seeks to intervene, but a uh, manfred kind of says, "Hey, you know they've yeah. they've got their way. Yep. You don't you know you don't understand it? That doesn't mean it's bad or whatever." And he seems to judge them a little bit, you know, Matter but he doesn't get too negative. He's not negative about them. He
1: just says, "You know, hey, they are what they are." And uh, all this is uh, comes to a close, and the the brothers say, "All right, you can uh, come on in. We've water plenty, and they have supplies." And then the blood bound arrive and. Yeah we have another Bloodbound versus Stormcast
0: battle. Yep. So. And the, the only kind of, well, I mean, there's a couple of cool points here. Um, the head of it, his name is uh, um, Gorewolf. Yep. Um, some, and he talks really, like, he's in the midst of the storm, but his voice, everyone can hear him. So it's right. like this, like, Corn granted him a megaphone voice kind yeah, of yeah. thing.
1: They do an interesting, I mean, they, they modulate his voice for the purpose of the audio drama. So yep. You, yep. you're never in doubt when Gorewolf is talking. Yeah. So. Tarsus
0: uh, in this battle also kind of, Brings over one of his prosecutors, his retributors. Says, "Hey, do you remember this battle?
1: Where um, prosecutor did this Prime thing? Zeros is, is, um, is and where yeah. they
0: topple walls. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so hey, you know, build the walls. You know, this take this rubble, build it high, and then topple it down on right. Them, exactly. Sort
1: of so they, they uh, you know, that's their strategy here. Is they hold the hold the choke points. Then once the blood bounds start, you know, overwhelming, they push. They have a controlled retreat and then collapse the walls on them, and
0: uh, they end up pushing back." And, you know do some things if you know and get back into the kind of inner chamber of of the sepulcher
1: yep they're able to seal the doors which gives them a moment to have some a little more exposition before they have to start fighting again so.
0: <laughs> let's chit chat a bit yeah manfred um and he and he you know he's so he's uh, tarsus is talking to manfred and trying to say hey get these guys to either fight or get out or something yeah manfred says you know hey they can't he's like hey they're your brethren and and Manfred gets upset,
1: yeah, he's like nah, I'm not I'm better than these wretches, and like, so oh, um, all right, Oops.
0: yeah, so it's and it, you don't quite get it, it's mm-hmm. like, well,
1: you know, you hold yourself um self up so high,
0: um and then uh um the blood bound pour in, yeah uh and and a battle starts inside the sepulchre.
1: Manfred has this line, like, "What does it, you Stormcast, say in moments such as this? Some pithy phrase about faith?" I was like, "Come on, buddy, you've heard it like seventy times now." Like, uh, we, well, we what? I, what
0: I like about that is it kind of in the story, yeah. Like the Stormcast are doing this really, I don't know, cheesy thing, yeah. And the book makes fun of it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Sure, I like right. that the, they're making fun of themselves. It makes you accept it even more, I think. Yeah, you know? fair um so and and of course Manfred's <laughs> A good route. Only to do the that. faithful. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes off to to kill some things with his yeah. his hilted sword.
1: Um So battle's joined. it's all over the place. Yep. And, and uh, Gore Gorb Wolf yep, comes in, in, fighting heads with, in uh Tarsus glances up and he notices that one of the Bloodbound is down and there's a bunch of the 77 brothers. Yeah. Clustered around him.
0: So, um, well part of, and earlier they'd asked them to join because these are 77 vampires. Why wouldn't you want them on your side? Right. Right. And they're like, we don't fight.
1: No, we don't fight. We need to stay out of this.
0: And yeah, they're just gorging themselves on this and it has an effect on them.
1: Yeah. All of a sudden they start changing and if you're familiar with your models, you can you can tell they're, uh, turning into Vargles, right?
0: Yeah. And I think I was trying to look back and I was like man is it vargolfs or vargais? Oh yeah, good question. Vargais, you know, there's there's lots of those, yeah. right? Vargolfs usually you have one on the field or two. On right, the field. right. No, it's vargolfs. Yeah, like thought so. 77 yeah. vargolfs which yeah. are um and so the way they explain it is so um the curse of the vampire, the soul blight curse affects everybody a little bit differently. And this, I'm bringing this a little bit out of the the Death Grand Alliance book that right. just came out, but uh it affects everybody differently and so this they take on a more beastial more blood frenzied form they can't control that as much and so part of what we learn is that these brothers have in that saving of that town they just were in a frenzy fighting chaos and uncontrolled and I'm sure there's something where they almost took out the town too or whatever mm-hmm. but they've retreated back into this place right to to keep themselves they're, they're in abstinence you know they've taken a vow of no blood or, right.
1: little or blood. control blood just right. with the tithe right yep.
0: so, so um, you know but they just go crazy and they attack Everybody yep. and anybody, yeah,
1: um, including Tarsus. Including so Tarsus. yeah, now it's now it's just total chaos. It's Bloodbound versus Vargols versus Stormcast, and uh, three. So Gorewolf gets totally ripped down by just one of these guys, and then Tarsus is fighting three of them because he's the bullheart. Super and a, duper. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But he's about to go down, and then Manfred drops in and saves the day. Yeah.
0: So he he starts chanting, kind of a. A Latin type of thing going on, and starts yelling loud in the the Vargulfs. Kind of, there's kind of a tentative. I mean, they they heed his word, but it's a little. And he basically ends up saying, "I will destroy you all." Uh, I and he, he explains who he is and his his you know lineage and what he's capable of. And the the seventy seven brothers end up flying out, yep uh, of the room and flocking out um, as they've so the. Chase the bloodbound yeah, out into yeah, the storm. The bloodbound yeah. have left yeah. and are fleeing, and they go to chase after them. And yeah. Manfred explains that they'll chase them out into the storm. The storm he talked about earlier, mm-hmm. with the you know souls that come and ravage things, and if the storm doesn't take them and kill them, wherever they end up in the sun coming up will.
1: Yeah, you know, there's this presumption that they're, they're all going to die. Yeah. Um, now, however, uh, now that the threat is gone, it says another day and a night later the storm ends. And Aisha and the pilgrims say they're going to stay here to fulfill their duty to the brothers. And Tarsus is like, well, they're gone. And Aisha says, no, they always return. And so yeah, they, they may be, you know, at least some of them, they're expecting to come back. And so yeah. it's this cool, like, despite this change, like, they still have this, like, okay, you know, we, we still owe it to them. You know, that whole thing about the honor of the dead.
0: So, yeah. I wonder... No, I don't know how it all works because I'm like, what if what if Aisha and her crew replenish? Are the new, yeah? Are the new brothers or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Could be like that. They, you know, like yeah, that we, you know, kind of adding to the ranks isn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, yeah, they're like, well, what do we got? You know, we got to go.
1: We got to keep looking. There's yep. no. There's no gate here. Well, Tarsus says, "Hey, Manfred, you know." You were already in the inner sanctum talking to these brothers or getting ready to do something in there before yeah, there I even was got some there. Conversations. And he, says, he says, What's what's up with that, man? He says, I was looking for a sign. I was on the right path. And Tarsus asks, Did you find it? He says, Yes, yes, I believe I did. Doesn't elaborate. And that's, that's where we leave uh, chapter two here and move on to three the Lords of Hellstone. So the Lords of Hellstone, we get another monologue, and again, we're starting to see Nagash is getting a little more cocky, getting a little more energy, and he's more revenge-minded instead of, you know, who's stealing from me? He's like, I think I might know, and I'm going to get my I'm gonna get my revenge here. He says, I seek out my secret foes, their souls glowing with lightning and power. And Nagash, you know, he knows from whence he came, and he knows what pantheon is part of, so he's probably got some indicators here, yeah. so... It's uh, it's looking worse and worse for the, the likelihood that they're going to have an awesome little chat with Nagash if and when they find him. Yep.
0: So we jump into a battle um, with beastmen again. Uh, there was some of that in the in the first drama, um, but we're opening with that again. They're in an overgrown ruins, um, and you know they describe who's fighting who the the Tarsus and the Bullhearts and Manfred again um and uh they they take out the beastmen they fight they they horns are blown they they run off, and you know it they said they 'll be back with yep. more you know this is just you know a skirmishing you know kind of um, type of thing um and uh um, I think Tarsus is looking at this space and it's very familiar to him um that that he asks are are these shattered walls all that remain?' of Hellstone. Uh, And Manfred Manfred, said, yeah,
1: well, he says of the city that was yes, which is saying he's, you know, there's something still here, but not what it was. Uh, It says once the tower stretched
0: to the clouds above and now to the very depths. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm thinking, I mean, imagine a skyscraper and they talk about how in this it housed millions. Right. Um, And so literally like a kingdom, inside of a building right um and and uh i guess in in blade runner terms uh an arcology is a sci-fi term for these you know super advanced giant like living cities kind of thing
1: nice it's, it's going to break it down a little bit more but uh to, yeah. for a relationship that or to relate it to something that gw fans may know i i've just really read as a fantasy version of necromunda to me like ah yes yes yeah like levels and levels built on top of each other all the way up to the very top all the way down to the very bottom so it's yeah like cool.
0: so they talk about 99 levels mm-hmm. um stretching from let's say from sky to salt That's
1: what they talk about right That's kind of built into this cliff wall as well
0: yeah and uh every single level is its own kingdom yep that uh there were 99 princes right um, and there was a, um,
1: well, there's some discussion. What What are we doing here? Right. Why, why are we yeah, here? Why are, why are we here? And just uh, leave this. He, aches?
0: And Tarsus really kind of puts it to, to,
1: to Manfred to say, Hey, you know, don't talk around this. What are we doing here? Yeah. Ram is the whole time in the background saying, don't trust him. He's yep. full of it.
0: You know? So, and, uh, he says, we're looking for something and he tells him, uh, so he talks about the gates and how they're not just in a place. um, And they're here looking for the Fang of Kedon. Mm
1: -hmm. Kedon. Which, I'm going to say, sounds like it's a reference to the world that was. There used to be the uh, spell Transformation of Kedon. Oh, really? Yep. Kedon was a big uh, mage, I think a a beast mage, uh, in the world that was. So I don't know if there's an intentional reference back, but it could be. One of his fangs. Go tip of the hat.
0: Um, And what it does, it permits the predicting where the gates will appear. Because every nine months, um, the gates die. Right. they disappear they crumble and they're born again and they start crumbling and live for nine months And but when they come back they're in
1: a new place right nobody can predict where they are which is why it's been so hard for anyone yeah. to find it
0: and so um, the question is, well, what, this thing's so powerful, why is it here? And, and he says it's for, it was forgotten, it was left behind. Right. As Nagash was fleeing into Stygix.
1: Right, his body had been shattered, as Mortarks were pulling him back into Stygix, yeah. and they were in such a rush to get out that yep. they left it.
0: And he mentions uh, Uzun, uh, a sage of the Sorrowful Order, carried from the Vale of Sorrows to Sepulchre mm-hmm. to Hellstone. And Tarsus puts, oh, we were here, and then we were there, and then we were there. Um, And he talks about Hellstone as a place of resistance uh, where those who could stood for those who could not. Right. Um, And, uh, you know, Ramus is suspicious that, you know, hey, he's telling us all that kind of stuff. And they, you know, you talked about the, you know, hey, what was this? And they come to this hole. Um, And and Manfred says this is the hole where the Hellstone's heart used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, there's amethyst gemstones yeah, scattered everywhere, as tall as a man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it turns out if you get a little bit closer, you can see that there are human-sized yeah. skeletons in there. You know, it was some some death magic had crystallized yeah. people. There's big sort of cataclysmic uh, magical detonation yeah. that created this. So. so
0: back to your, I, they start going down into the space and to talk about your fantasy necromunda. Yeah, broken walkways and aqueducts, bridges. Hollow towers, vast urban plateaus, right. crisscrossing archways, um, plazas, um, housed millions, um, and each level its own kingdom,
1: Right, as I mentioned. And now that it's kind of collapsed and falling, it's like this architectural rat's nest. It's yeah. really cool. Oh, huh? Yeah,
0: and there's yeah, the, uh, no-telling how, especially underground, how wide or deep things, you know, you go to, to the sides. Um, but there's, yeah, 99 princes. And when Nagash came there to find his way, you know, out, um, they, as soon as he showed up, the 99 princes pled for peace as strong as they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, 90 levels. Um, yeah, the, yeah. Deep caves and, and it used to, so the, I, I would imagine maybe half of them or less. So was it was 50 underground and, you know,
1: yeah. Uh, you so know, they're like we're not dealing with yeah. that guy. He's <laughs> ten pool choices on his own. No. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they they're climbing down into the depths of this um this, this spiral staircase down into this. And it's yeah, I think it's probably one of the most impressive descriptions of a place or imaginations of a place in this series. In this, in new this world audio that, series, yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Um so it's one of those it would be super difficult to build, but it would be amazing to we were we're just uh before we got started here. Yeah, talking. so like yeah, do Mordheim in a in a Necromunda style. Yeah, like exactly. Like really, really up it. But uh, uh so here, Manfred says he's going to call upon the Lords of Hellstone, and Tarzan's like, "Oh, Lords of Hellstone, yeah, they yeah, still yeah, awesome. Like this is cool. Like I have some kind of connection. I don't know." And Manfred's like, "Yeah, this might not be what, I, but here and he lets out this call, and actually, it has audio. This call, do you remember this? Yeah, you know something it, crazy. Yeah. It was some weird like Tarzan meets. Yeah, I was like, wow. You, like Manfred, kudos to this actor for giving giving it a go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm embarrassed for you." Anyway, uh well then they can hear this this um call coming back and like, all right so what's going on and all of a sudden ghouls start yeah uh filtering out and uh wasn't so I've never I've never found ghouls especially interesting. it was like I didn't I didn't get it uh but here they've got an interesting role as yeah. they are like the previous inhabitants yeah. of else they just like degraded that much uh you know they've de- yeah. become degenerate and they're they've,
0: you know I'm yeah I imagine that you know it's kind of a thing where you Like okay, we're survivors. We're we're free people down here, you know. Yeah, and we've had to survive on some pretty bad things and eating each other, maybe exactly in this death saturated magic and all that sort of
1: thing. So it it adds it adds like a little touch of the tragic to the existence of these these ghouls. Like they were part of this proud civilization. Yeah, not that they were always just like these weirdo cannibals or whatever. That so it's a process. Yep. So that was. Uh, again, um, and Ranfred
0: um, goes up to them and he cuts his hands and he bleeds for them and they eat it
1: and, yep. and drink
0: of it and they're communicating and they're it seems like they're barking at him and asking questions and he's able to answer. Yep. Um, and, uh, um, so the, he kind of gets them to go and search yep. for this, uh, thing of kid so He's
1: going to go, go past the word basically there. So they're going to go yep. word of mouth, pass it to all the different tribes and uh, so they're like, "All right, well, let's set up camp, and they start setting up their defenses, and they kind of blink, and Manfred is gone,
0: yeah, because they're not really sleeping, right, It's not a thing that they need, really,
1: they're yeah. not sure where to push onto, and they do they occasionally need to rest, I mean, yeah. you remember some in the realm of life where they were getting fatigued, and yeah, that stuff the long some physical fatigue
0: there but, yep. uh yep, yep, um, so yeah,
1: Nagash is no longer there,
0: but manfred or, sorry god dang it manfred (laughs) i can't help but utter my master's name (laughs) but uh uh, so manfred's not there and but but somebody else shows up um there's a a beast herd that kind of is clamoring around um, above them uh, in the other levels and um the, the the beast lord's pretty nasty it's pretty obvious that this is a Nurgle um, imbued, yep. um, clan is in the leader's name is slough scale. And while yep. he's talking, he's like peeling scales off his skin. And yeah. T- he's
1: got kind of a lizardy aspect. He's some, he's a Nurgle sorcerer. And that's, yeah. you know, a lot of these guys you say, Oh, I know exactly what model that is And this one. You know, it doesn't so that. The first funny, time I cool. read this
0: or heard this, I thought maybe this was throg. Oh, like I just heard it because yeah. it, you know, just the Lord sure. and, and scaly and that sort of yeah. stuff. So was like, Oh, throgs here. Yeah. Um, but not, no, not so. Not yeah. So. Um, so there's some, you know, some back and forth, and they start to fight. Battle goes on for a long time. Portions of things collapse, as yeah. you would expect inside of this enclosed structure. Um, but Ramus is like, I mean, these aren't the same beasts that were they had fought up above. Right. These had been nesting here and living here. They've obviously through the noise that they've made mm-hmm. disturbed these guys. Sure. Um, and Ramus is like,
1: Manfred knew this was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, he knew he, That's why he bailed. And so. he
0: left us to take the brunt of this while he got his his treasure.
1: Yep. um, they managed to drive off slough scale and his beast and they push on further yeah. without Manfred. And then they come to a big, it almost reads like an amphitheater, like all these, this big kind of slope size. I don't know if you read it the same way, all these crypts, uh, yeah. built up along the side. And then, yeah. uh, slough scale comes with another, you know, some chariots are out and they've got, they've got, uh, blight Kings coming out. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a full on and the storm yeah, so are very badly set. And,
0: and, yeah. and, um, and yeah, yeah, the, the, I can't, I couldn't totally pinpoint, um, listening to this a couple of times exactly what that, but I like the idea that you paint there of just this like circular space, mm-hmm. um, crypts all around. Yeah. I, I guess maybe I was thinking of, yeah, almost like, uh, <laughs> the mailboxes at the post office. Sure. Right? You just got like rows and rows and rows and rows and, yeah, yeah, and columns and, and of these openings. Yep. Yep. And so just kind of like, you know, if you go into a crypt and you've probably seen on TV, like where somebody's laid them rest and they've got maybe a couple of stacks of them for mm-hmm. their family or whatever. Yeah. But just that times thousands. Right. Exactly. Um, so, and, and just kind of all around. And so, yeah, they come and kind of attack and ambush. Um, there's some pillars that get knocked down, some huge uh, pillars that get knocked down. And then as they're fighting this and, and whatnot.
1: Um, yeah. Stormcast badly beset. Looks like they may lose yeah. this. And uh, I guess who comes to rescue yet again? <laughs> Manfred.
0: Manfred and his uh, ghouly get together.
1: Yeah, a huge number of ghouls. I think it even mentions uh, you've got some crypt horrors in the, yeah, the, the yeah, big house. Yeah, some style, so ones that are more muscular. In, and, yep, and, and exactly. that sort of Stuff
0: and yeah, more than what what um, Tarsus thought yeah. could possibly be down here.
1: So this evens it up. All these ghouls pouring in, and yep. you know it, it makes a it makes a show of like, hey, they're they're coming down. I don't know, are they coming for the Stormcast? Are they coming for chaos? It says, you know, they, they came to, yep. uh, wipe out the invaders of their ancestral home and that's still not clear, but then they pile into yeah. the chaos. And,
0: and, and it's worth mentioning too, that through the last couple, since that first book, uh, first audio where, um, Manfred raised the skeletons, Tarsus has been avoiding him doing that again.
1: Yeah. There there's an interesting, uh, comment where he says, uh, something felt, you know, horribly wrong about raising the dead to fight again. And I was like, Hmm, interesting. You know, Sigmar is doing something along those lines. You know, there is, there is, uh, intentionally or not, they, there are these parallels of like, Hey, you know, we're uncomfortable with you raising the dead and you know, the storm casts are, yeah. are being brought, brought back from the dead. dead. So,
0: but, uh, um, but so he, you know, Manfred's like, shall I raise more, you know, yeah. whatever. And, and Tarsus has kind of held him off of doing those things. Mm-hmm. So to have, manfred you know have because I, I can't imagine that manfred feels like he has to feel naked fighting mm-hmm. without just hordes of mm-hmm. things around him because well,
1: he guesses. that's what that's yeah. what in, in this case he he does he opens up the crypts and yeah. calls them forth and all these
0: so you got ghouls yeah. climbing down on uh, this and then out of the crypts come uh, spirit mm-hmm. um i don't imagine spirit hosts cairn wraiths yep. tomb banshees
1: all I think it's full on skeleton warriors are are coming skeletons on and as yep, well? there's some black knights and all Because oh, cool. it talks about a talks about a white comes down and KOs somebody right next to Tarsus <laughs> and uh, actually salutes him and Tarsus right, is looking at this guy kind of and the off. guy says, Tarsum and Tarsus is like, what is he talking about? I still haven't put it together. You're like, okay, buddy.
0: Yeah. Uh, but then he goes off. So, so these being these uh, makes you a
1: little, little dull. What, what's that? Yeah, <laughs> it? Yeah, being reforged makes you a little dull. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> or dim, <laughs> or both. He's, you know, but it is this cool thing. where like these previous inhabitants of Hellstone are clearly recognizing yeah. him. So we're yeah. we're locking that in as well. Yep. Yeah. But uh, the forces of Urgle are chased off. Manfred has his artifact. They say, Why don't you just tell us what you're gonna do? And he says, Well, would you have trusted me? Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, if you'd told me exactly what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he talks around it and he says this this is the only way and you guys could handle it, you know. So he Yeah, I've got some ideas about maybe what he might be
1: doing. Right. But well, um now but they then, have the uh they have the fang of Kate on. they have fought off Nurgle and they're ready to push on. All right, so we head into the fourth installment, Bridge of Seven Sorrows, and once again, a Nagash monologue.
0: I feel like this should be like a old 70s, 60s tune to this, The Bridge of Seven Sorrows.
1: Yeah, no, I mean like a, a classic country tune or something yeah, like Yeah, or that. like a Crosby, Stills, and Nash going on Oh, there. yeah, sure. Uh, Arlo Guthrie. Nagash with the co-writing credits Nagash on Nagash Guthrie. Yeah, nice. Well, Nagash, Nagash's monologue in this case, he's gotten way more aggressive. Like, he's he's a lot more confident. He clearly knows. he's declares his intent I, for vengeance, even all the way back spitting to Azeroth.
0: If his mouth was wet, there he's spitting.
1: Yeah. Yep. But he's, he, yeah. So he's. A little he's, livid. He's, uh, he's got his ire up. He talks about Sigmar the deceiver, Sigmar the barbarian, Sigmar the traitor. Kind of,
0: yeah. Kind of saying that he's not the god king.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know who this dude is. He, he's the whelp. I knew him back when. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um,. And, well, uh, this is
0: interesting. He calls Sigmar the traitor in this, given what we suspect. Right, exactly. That, that Nagash was the traitor yep. in uh, you know letting Arcan. So whether or not he just kind of plays, you know, I do what I want. Everyone else is traitor
1: if it's that kind of arrogance. Or if we or don't if actually, if on. our presumptions about how the all yeah. points went down. Um, because yeah.
0: when Sigmar finds out or hears that he's a traitor, he chases um, Nagash through the realms. Sure. Cannot yep. find him and actually potentially he's taking his ball eye off the off the ball when coming against chaos and you know maybe that's just as much to do so who knows maybe that was
1: a zinch thing yeah absolutely so uh and unsurprisingly we get thrown right back into a battle again this yeah. time it's bloodbound once again uh we kind of know how this goes blood reavers skull reapers which we actually don't see very often so i was i was uh briefly entertained to see that and uh yeah, exactly. And uh they're fighting in these skull cairns, these big old piles of skulls and they're cascading down. And then uh it talks about uh, a purple haze starts riding up and yeah. so Jimi Hendrix is
0: See, this is um, what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh
1: Manfred comes and uh you know, starts using his magics again and sees off sees off this initial battle. And so then we get a pause, and we get to take a look around and see what we actually see there on this open plane and they can look out across and they see just literally hundreds of warbands fighting each other in front of uh, what are called the Starless Gates. We see corn, we see Nurgle, we see Zinch warbands. It does not make any mention of Slaanesh warbands. Yeah. Who well, are well, too smart to get caught up in this? It doesn't mention, doesn't mention Archeon in here, does it?
0: No. Okay, But it's an interesting gathering of all of those. Yeah. This
1: place. And apparently they're here. The starless gates are one of the last places before Nagash was finally defeated. Uh, and so this is, this is where he was broken and it's a kind of a gathering site for, um, chaos. And they mentioned, you know, well it's always the way with followers of the dark gods and they run out of other people to kill. They start fighting themselves. Fighting's all they know. Saying so, this is their woodstock. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they're looking out and they're like, wow, there's no way we're getting through this. And, uh, Actually, Manfred, Manfred's saying like, hey, you guys can't get through this. And the Stormcast, I, I, I'm not, I can't remember if it's Ramus or Tarsus, but they're like, Stormcast aren't worried about fighting. And Manfred's like, yeah, okay, but you're, you're just not going to win this one. Like, you're, <laughs> it's pretty unrealistic, bro. Like, pull it together. So they come up with a plan. They find a canyon. They can move unseen while these forces are all distracted fighting each other because you're probably not looking around so much when somebody's up in your face with a axe or a sword and all that sort of thing. So they slip they slip past and on this route, uh, they come across these tortured ghosts. And here's another one of these these comments where uh they they uh, they see these spirits and like, hey what's going on with these spirits? Like why isn't this, shouldn't they have been like brought up again as, as skeletons or brought up as warriors to fight. Manfred makes mention, not all souls are fit to be forged anew. Uh, and so you got that forge reference again kinda relating some of these parallels between the Stormcast and and, uh, Nagash. And, you yeah. know, they, they talked earlier about how Nagash and Sigmar, they're just part of the same pantheon. Sigmar rules the heavens. Nagash rules the underworld. Nagash is a necessary evil. He's, he's the balance to that pantheon. So this is part of why. Yeah. And, uh, Rammus makes this, this statement, a God would not be driven back into the dark. And Manfred's like, uh, actually, you know, <laughs> no, he would just go and run home and slam the door behind him and hide in his, hide in his <laughs> realm. It's like, oh, sick burn. No, oh, Manfred, nice. Uh, that's
0: what I'm talking about, Manfred. I mean, he's certainly sneaky, he's certainly Yep um, but he's confident. Yep. And he's 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 witty, he's yep. humorous, he brings uh, he's the you know, he's the likable character. Yeah, to know? some extent. I mean,
1: well, and what he's able to do is like you mentioned before, he's able to he's able to call the Stormcast out on some of their yeah. like super serious stuff, like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. what is it you say like something if, about fame? Tarsus you know?
0: could forever have Manfred as a sidekick. It'd yeah. be the best it's the new Gotrek and Felix, yeah. Tarsus and Manfred.
1: They're, they're the mismatched buddy comedy. You know <laughs> the bromance. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and uh, yeah, well, so they, they they manage to slip by. They have this little bit of exposition. They they come upon there's these uh, all these waiting figures just kneeling, and they're like, okay, what's going on with these guys? And Manfred says, oh, you know, these are the elite. They're they are guarding this gate to Stygix they actually have found they have found a gate here they said uh every time every time chaos makes a run at this they die in their thousands when engaging these guys are like okay well these are legit I, I wasn't sure what they are they all white kings or are they all are yeah, grave guard or something like, like that
0: more like skeleton warriors um okay. so this might be a counter to what we were talking about before where if they die if chaos dies that their soul goes away because mm-hmm. it seems like it's not just their bones but them but right. i don't know um I don't know, because yeah, the Tomb King way of a skeleton warrior is a soul gets put back into that, right? Whereas it seems like skeletons in the vampire counts, it's just it's just a vessel and you move it around like puppets, right? Right. So these could just be Nagash's will, right? Inside of these, you know, warrior skeletons. But I'm I'm thinking, yeah, marauders, chaos warriors, just yeah. The, there's evidence bones. of those
1: all piled up and and dead in big piles, like they of through the ages and all this sort of thing, and then these these eternal guardians of the gate. They start making their approach and like, well, maybe Manfred can, you know, get us by and no, he can't. So yeah, uh, he tries, he struggles. He tries to
0: put his will upon them. Um, and he cannot. And, uh, so I'm wondering if either somebody else's will's already upon them, whether it's Nagash or
1: Mm -hmm. somebody else. He he talks about like, Hey, you know, the most skilled vampires and necromancers, you know, we can raise up the dead with sorcery, the dead, when Nagash walks, they just rise. Like when he, they're just by passing he, by, he raises him up. So uh, they're they're guarding this gate and they're trying to the Stormcast, the Hallowed Knights, Tarsus and the Bullhearts, they're trying to figure out how are we gonna get through this and they devise a strategy. Uh, the strategy isn't just to like go through the gate, they're like, Well, the gate is maybe the most defensible spot, we can get our back to that. We have some place to so they, they bowl their way through, try and set up there and pop through the gate and all of a sudden they realize, oh, they don't follow us, and Manfred's like, oh, I guess the in, in life they were never permitted to pass uh, the borders of these gates, and so in death the, it holds the same. Yeah. So, uh, so, we make it through this battle, and now they are finally in Stigix, in the underworld. Yeah, and we got there, guys. Yeah, we're, we're here. The, now, now what? Only
0: the faithful! <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> Only the faithful and Manfred. Manfred says, hey, you know, we're in Stigix, we're in the gashes realm now, this guy is paranoid beyond all belief, and he has traps upon traps and, you know, all these, uh, it's, there's a lot of ways we could go, which, you know, which way should we go? And Tarsus is like the most direct way. And he says, well, that's going to be the most dangerous. And Tarsus says, well, I'm done, you know, wandering around, like we're here, let's make this happen. So they do. And this route takes them to the titular bridge of seven sorrows. What does titular mean? It's a slanish term. So (laughs) No. no, Of not. of the title? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the Bridge of Seven Sorrows. Yeah. Um and uh the bridge itself, um so the below the bridges, so there's what's the bridge over top of? Mm-hmm. Um is the deep caverns with the with the black blood of the underworld. Mm-hmm. Does it describe that anymore?
1: Uh, not really. It just, just is some of kind of primordial up. thing going down. Like I was, it was a throwaway reference. I, yeah. I jotted a note down. Like, that's I love those throwaway, throwaway, throwaway references. Oh, yeah. that make you think. Exactly. Um, uh, sometimes, sometimes on too much examination, it, it doesn't hold up. So, uh, you know, <laughs> the science is uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. just not there. <laughs> exactly. The science. Where's the science? Uh, the bridge itself has seven statues and that's not ominous at all, but uh, they're, they're sitting there, they're getting familiarized, looking at it. And then Arcan the black arrives.
0: Bum, bum, bum. Yeah.
1: We have a we have a Mortark versus a Mortark getting ready to go. Uh and he, you know, for all this for these three audios plus this one, three and a half audios, we've been trying to get into talk to ngash and Arcan's like, uh, you guys can take off, you know. <laughs> yeah. you know like, <laughs> scram, what? we're not interested. And he he re echoes the He's uh, not in right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's uh uh, talks about again Sigmar the barbarian, Sigmar the, the traitor, and you know, so you know, already right, this is not going well. Uh, Manfred says, No, I demand you let us pass. And uh, so we have a little bit of interaction here. And this is interesting because we've seen some stuff from Manfred before where uh, some of the interactions with, with him and Tarsus, and there's some implication uh, that they knew each other when Tarsus was Tarsim. Manfred was there. Uh, that was the big kind of reveal. I guess we didn't mention at the end of uh, the the third is uh, Tarsus oh. realized like, oh, I recognize Manfred, and I recognize him from from Hellstone before he was there in that final. So defense. yeah, Manfred
0: reveals that he was at Hellstone right. when it fell. Yeah, um, and uh, you know Tarsus they kind of walking out and has a vision and yep. he sees yeah. Manfred there. So, um,
1: so they sorry. have yeah. Well, sorry have, about that, guys. They have a they have a connection prior to this, but.
0: So we know that Tarsus, formerly Tarsem, and Manfred, formerly Manfred, had fought together at the Battle of Hellstone before it fell. Right. And so coming into here, they've got something. I mean, Manfred doesn't seem to tell, you know, he doesn't reveal that he knows that. So yeah. um, Tarsus is putting the pieces together. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. Right. Um. And uh, And so, yeah, coming into this, there's, so Manfred and um, Arcan...
1: Uh, right, this is a different part of Manfred's past. We don't really know a lot of it. We know he's a Mortark, right. but we you you get some some Arcans taunts and uh, references. You they're get not some, friends. No,
0: they're they're you know some more of of Manfred's bitterness and a little bit of that whininess comes out. Almost like you know, I'll put it like this: like when my son is the oldest one in the room he's the most immature kid. Yeah. When he's the youngest kid in the room, super immature kid, right? <laughs> so just being in the presence of Arcan kind of brings out the the little brother kind yep. of attitude yeah. in him.
1: Um yeah, he gets petulant like I demand you let us pass. And, yeah, I yeah.
0: I earn this or whatever and um and reading out of the Death Grand Alliance um book there's a sense that the Mortarks don't get along and they fight and they just they're always trying to one up each other and undermine each other, and whatever. And that Nagash lets that happen.
1: Yeah, it plays them off each other, right?
0: Because it keeps them from aligning against him. Right. And, you know, that sort of thing. So there's a little bit of, you know, the question of well, if you know, if he's a Mortark, why is he in here being all like, hey, let me back in or whatever? Like he's got his Nagash sees his purpose or whatever,
1: but you know, whatever. Um and so this eventually comes to blows, right? So, uh, Arkan and Manfred are arguing, and now it's fight time. And while they start to square off, all of a sudden the seven statues on the bridge of seven sorrows they come to life, and it turns out they are banshees. And the Stormcast are not able to do much to them as so they start screaming through the ranks. Because they
0: ignore rend.
1: They do, yes. <laughs> Although
0: Stormcast don't have a ton of rend. No. So, but still, yeah. they're ethereal. Yeah. Um, and they
1: might be super banshees. Who knows? You know? <laughs> super banshee.
0: The seven greatest banshees yeah. come together again for the first time.
1: So this is a, this is a problem, right? The stormcast are struggling to deal with this, and uh, we get Ramus bringing some of that Lord Relicter mojo. Calls down lightning, smokes one of them, and then he supercharges the the weapons of the rest of the stormcast, who are then able to deal with these banshees. At the same time, Manfred manages to cut off Arcan's hand and then kick him across the way, and he's got him defeated. He says, "Ah, you know, I was always better than you." you know, I,
0: I can't. I'm, I'm imagining some sort of like uh, a big chest bump, or you know, like uh, beats his chest, and he's like, "Yeah,
1: yeah." Yeah, I I mark this as some anime fight scene stuff. Like, there's a whole bunch of like posturing and declaring, "I'm awesome." No, you're, all, you know, yeah. like I, you know. Foot,
0: foot on a pile of skulls, hand in the air.
1: Right, exactly. I don't think they talk about final forms or anything like that, but it, it it is a little bit of that going on. So, uh, he's like, I, you know, I was always better than you. I can't. I I don't know why Nagash, you know, favored you. And Arcan says, mayhap he prizes loyalty over power. And then there's this implication, like. Uh, You know, and maybe winning this fight here was never the goal. And Manfred starts to sense something coming and he starts to try to run, but he can't. And here comes Nagash. (laughs) Son of Nagash, he's here. Yeah. Man.
0: And he comes in hot.
1: Yeah. So there's there's a big sort of, here's his entry and everyone can feel it coming and it's this big, epic moment of yeah so he's looming yep.
0: and and manfred basically turns into a puppy dog yeah he says nagash look what i brought you and he tries to give him the thing the thing of Kadon, um and he says i look who i've brought i've brought these lightning men to you yeah and you just sink you're yeah. just like no yeah no manfred i believed in you <laughs> i thought i thought you were different Tarsus uh, tries to get up and and you know starts talking to Gash.
1: Yeah, um, Tarsus actually uh, saves Manfred briefly here. <laughs> this, is, this is actually right before Manfred gives up the stormcast, so it makes okay. it all the all the worse. He says, "Here's the thing," and Gash says, "I could have you bring this pittance to me that I could have gotten any time I wanted." He reaches out for Manfred, and Tarsus grabs Manfred by the cloak and yanks him back uh, to to protect him. Uh, from getting, you know, the the death grip from Nagash, and uh, and then Manfred returns the favor by saying, "Look, I brought these dudes, and they're, you know, they're the thieves. They're the ones been stealing souls." And yeah. so, so Tarsus starts to make his pitch. He says, "Hey, yep. you know, um, we're here. Uh, we look, we're looking to talk to you. Sigmar would have words with you." And Nagash isn't having any blasts, uh, blast Tarsus like across the
0: Right. It's one of those you know, where he he flies through the air, hits the ground, tumbles a few more, slams into a wall.
1: Right. So um, he's temporarily out of action.
0: Yeah. And, and while so, he is. Yeah. So Ramus and the rest of the Stormcast go rushing in yep. to fight Nagash. Yep. With their tiny hammers.
1: Yep. And it goes terribly.
0: It <laughs> so not only is Nagash just ripping them to shreds in some cases. You know, just into dust um, or whatever, but he's there's no lightning escaping. Right, there's no soul of these storm leaving.
1: Even um, the even the Lord Relictor, who you would assume has you know the most, most you remember? Juice. Yeah, well, uh, was it uh, Ionus? Remember, Ionis is like death has no hold on me because yeah. he came back so fast. So, you, if anyone, if anyone can get out of here, it'd be yeah. Ramus. But Ramus gets crushed, and you see his soul like straining to escape and screaming getting pulled back in yep. so yep. it's a bad scene while this is happening manfred actually and so this is again you don't know if manfred is he really of two minds or what's going on he comes and realizes tarsus is still alive he says you know you got to get out of here you got to save yourself
0: yep he asks him to come with him so they can run yeah and tarsus i've got a job yep. this is what i have to do yep. even if it takes my life yeah i've got to parlay with nagash and get him to to see reason um and if he doesn't you know, whatever, and he sees that his people, his guys are not yeah. going. He ne- but he needs something. he needs something to happen. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so he heads forward to he's gonna, I'm gonna make one more try to you know to tell Nagash this, yeah. but uh, he busts out the hammer cloak, <laughs> whips the cloak around him, hammer scatters. <laughs> you guys, know.
0: no way! But yeah. this is amazing because yeah. if you if you could see what's happening, and I'm just gonna tell you okay. exactly what's happening. So he's running towards Nagash. They don't tell you this. This is me. I'm telling you. He's running towards Nagash, full bore, and he leaps up and he he pirouettes. Yeah. Right? He leaps up and he just spins like a triple sow cow up into the air, and his cloak just flies around him like just a brilliant cape of sterling sigmarite. And hammers explode off of it in
1: celestial. And this, uh, this apparently is enough to break Nagash's concentration. And all those souls go rocketing away.
0: So, yeah. So, yeah, it breaks his concentration. They get back.
1: Yep. And um, Nagash was torqued off before about thievery. <laughs> now he got to, like, watch it's it firsthand. Like, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so now it is just because Manfred is scampered. Now it's just Nagash and Tarsus. And Tarsus goes and does the. And he
0: leaps up into the air. Yep. And you think he's going to get this amazing blow on Nagash.
1: Nagash waves his hand. He's frozen and then gone. Like, I think all it says is he was no more. He was just no more. Just with a gesture. Um, and, uh, and then we head to the ending monologue. And if you're wondering what happened to Tarsus, you don't wonder for very long because this monologue is directed specifically at Tarsus's trapped soul from Nagash. Uh, and it sounds like a real bad, a bad hand of cards for Tarsus here. Nagash promises to pluck him apart and dig, dig into him for his secrets. Uh, and so, this is implication not just for Tarsus, but for the Stormcast as a whole.
0: Yeah, like reverse engineer right. how yeah. how this is even possible.
1: Right. So if Nagash can figure out the secret of the reforging, uh, how these souls are escaping from him, maybe he can stop it. So and undo the whole. We got thing. problems. So.
0: Um, and then he says, "My mortarks ready. My nine hundred and ninety nine legions.
1: Exactly. So That's Nagash is mobilizing.
0: Yeah, in all realms at once. Yeah, like it's not just in Shai. She's." Yeah. Um pulling the dead from everywhere. Yeah. So and that is how we end the four part series. Tarsus and the Bullhearts coming to um to the realm of Shaiish in order to find Nagash, seek alliance with him to take on chaos at the heat of Sigmar and their efforts turn to dust.
1: Yeah, and you wonder, you know, Sigmar Presumably, he's a smart guy. He knows Nagash for a long time. You know, he must have he must have known this was a long shot. You know, so yeah. I wonder. I wonder. what what odds he had placed on you know getting something better than this, or if he's if he's uh, if this went as he expected, or if he was thinking something else. But yeah. uh, hopefully, we get a look at that at, uh, in balance of power when it comes out. Yeah, yep.
0: So, right. I we I can't encourage you enough um, to pick up this. Four part. Um, I know right now on the Black Library you can get it for a little bit less than if you buy them separate. Yeah, bundle deal. Um, but it's it's well worth. And I mean, they there is. I've mentioned the fight scenes aren't necessarily like you know repeat. Like you're going to listen to a fight scene over and over. But the the descriptions of this world, mm-hmm. um, the dialogue of Manfred, and getting kind of a better glimpse of who he is. I really like him as mm-hmm. a character. I did not, you know. I wasn't sure I was going to pick up a, a, a Mortark for my army, but I really like, you know, uh, Manfred and I'm really excited to, um, kind of build that model up and stuff. And so there's just, a, there's a ton here for the hobbyists. There's a ton here for anybody who wants to get to know shyish a little bit more in the gash. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's in a, in more sensory than just sure. reading a book.
1: Yep. Yep. And so, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll reiterate their recommendation. I'll temper mine a little bit. I, I, some of some of the, some of the uh, sound effects or the guys shouting out was was a little bit campy for me, you know, or like, ah, Rammus, you know, screamed out in pain. You're like, yeah, I, I got it. Like that was, you know. Uh, so when I talk about like some lacking some subtlety there, uh, if you think that's going to be a problem for you, then not. But if you if you kind of take it for what it's going to be and this kind of cool look at at the the realm and it's it is a lot more than an book. So yep, um, so consider that. So. But
0: uh, Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously, spoilers. Yeah. Oh, I should have said that at the beginning, right? <laughs> I'll edit it back, <laughs> yeah. uh, And uh, we'll, we'll move on to other parts of the episode. Yeah, Sigmar needs a hero, so let's go to the hero phase. The hero phase.
1: In the hero phase, we turn our attention to those of you who want to get started in the Age of Sigmar or share this game with your friends. All right, so
0: this episode... We wanted to talk uh, about the Grand Alliance books that have shown up. Right. A um, couple last month, um, I mean, timing's not really that important, but um, as a, of this, we've got the Grand Alliance of Chaos and the Grand Alliance of Death out, mm-hmm. um, and what's really cool about these books, I think first and foremost, something that Games Workshop has not done mm-hmm. is created, um, well, at least in my memory, you can tell, I guess, better in more time, but a soft cover book with so much content in it, not so much fluff, but war scrolls and just all you would need to know about your army for such a low price point.
1: Yeah, so army books used to be cheaper. They used to be soft cover like like this, but uh, in over the past several years, they've been these hardback things. That, that, and this is this is a really cool thing that we've seen with Age of Sigmar. We we bring it up specifically because that low price point makes it accessible or someone just want to check it out. Makes it accessible for you if you want I I'd like to come back to this idea of having resources as a as a player or as a club that if someone comes around and says, hey, I'm kinda interested being able to give something some you know, loan out or hand over, you know, on the night, like, hey, yeah, you think that's cool? Take a look at this. And you flip through and this is a good resource for someone who just wants to like, uh you know, I was thinking of chaos. Well look at all the things that that's there for chaos. And it's got art it's got close-ups of the models you know interesting paint jobs got all the rules it's got some blurbs on the it's a, it's a great introductory resource is what we're yeah kind of leaning on
0: and so and also where you know you do mention that in past they have had um specific army books that are soft cover and mm-hmm. probably a lot of fluff in them and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff so these are very bare bones mm-hmm. and but it's what's the other side of it is that like for chaos, the grand Alliance, it's every chaos models in here, right? Exactly. And really what it's doing is it's saying, no, all of these models can be in your army. Yeah. You know, um, every, you know, you can have a Skaven, uh, warlord. You can have a Nurgle, um, plague bearer. You can have a, you know, warrior, of uh, marauder, cavalry, cavalry, you know, you can just put them all together, whatever models that you're enjoying. Um, the chaos monsters, right? The cool things to put on the table, whatever you're enjoying, you can put them together. And so what I think is specifically, you know, the most important thing for, you know, if you're trying to get somebody to play or you're looking at, you know, Hey, what am I going to do next? It's just an open, like that book says, you just open, do mm-hmm. whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Those say faction. And a lot of the, you know, tournament scene is moving towards faction, but I mean, there's nothing saying that in your house or, you know, in your club, you can't put order and, and destruction together either. Cause right. we've seen precedence in the story of them teaming up. Yep. Um, in this case, in this story that we just, we're talking about death, See, death and, and order. order on together. The yep. Um, so, um, but they just, they just say, Hey, play with all of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And so, because it's got so many, uh, again, all those little factions, and a little bit of information about each of those mini factions, get your creativity flowing uh, and you can look at some of these other things that you know I, I've got an army that is slanish well let me look at some of the other ways something might tie into that like you were talking about with uh, we were talking about your army with the the Skaven uh, project that you are working on like their clan molder well you know maybe they captured and ratified some ratified yeah
0: like, so maybe they took you know. a chimera right. and uh, experimented on it Right, and were able to kind of turn it, you know, get a little bit more rat, uh, you know, DNA in there or whatever. Sure. Um, and I, you know, literally I can take, I can start with that rat clan and I can pull any other monster mm-hmm. from all of chaos into that and say, yeah, I, you know, I yep. made that a part of my army. They, I drew that thing down in my nest. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, as an example, um, you know, just flipping through the, the death grand alliance, um, they talk about. Um, the Blade of the Blood Queen. And this is talking about Neferata and gives you a little story about how her and her soul blight um, kind of horde and her um, harbingers and um, Archai, the Morgas, kind of retreated at chaos. And what she was able to do is manipulate a white king to have his um, armies of bone kind of protect on the edge of her um, realm um, and, you know, kind of made him do the, the work of fighting chaos for her. And so just this idea of how would you fit and that how she took and raised some of the, those chaos warriors up to, to kind of replenish his armies. So how would you put these bones, um, these skeletons, these, um, zombies alongside of Neferon and, and her soul blight. Like it just, it gives you some backstories and there's a bunch of these for each of these different types of, of, you know, like the Death Rattle, which is the bone um, and 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 skeletons, the Flesh Eater courts, which are ghouls and and such. So, it just gives you some point of reference inside of the realm
1: mm-hmm. for each of these. Yep. And at thirty three, if you're paying full price, thirty three bucks for the Chaos Grand Alliance, half that for the Death Grand Alliance. That's that's uh, about as cheap as it comes for something to yeah. get you started. So good resource if whether you're whether you're starting out or whether you're someone who and it's, is and it's kind got of the, the rules in the
0: back. So I mean if you gave yep. if you had a buddy who's like, "Yeah, I'm interested in death." You know, and you, you handed over a $15, or $16 book, it's all they need to get started and then they start buying models and picking it's like it becomes a catalog, you know. Yep. Yep. So
1: Anyway, like we said, we, uh, we're always trying to look, uh, look at little things that we can have to get people started or uh, help you get other people started. So I think that's a good one. Totally coffee table books, too, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Conversation <laughs> starters. Uh, that's the hero phase. Let's, uh, let's take a look at what's going on in the hobby phase.
0: The hobby phase. In the hobby phase, we want to stoke the flame of creativity for hobbyists and find shortcuts and easy entry points for new gamers.
1: So in previous episodes, we've a lot of times used the hobby phase to kind of brainstorm what we might make a table look like. Like, what would the realm of metal look like? What would... It... Now, we kind of focused a little bit on that with the background here, and we saw uh, with the audio drum, we saw a number of different places in the realm of death. So we've kind of already touched on that. I'd like to take the opportunity to uh, take a look at Eric's army. He's... Uh, done a, a whole lot of work on this on this uh, death army started it prior to age of sigmar coming around and has adapted it for that one very cool thing that you know whether it was in warhammer or whether it's in age of sigmar one one very cool thing you can do with uh with undead armies with armies in this grand alliance of death is you can kind of tell a story with them like they by their nature this was something before it died right it uh, has a history a it has exactly a and so it's a uh, i i find them to be a storytelling. Model, just right off the bat, and Eric, you've taken that and really run with it,
0: yeah, so um I got my start during the end times when the the Nagash model came out, and everyone was like you know blown away, and it was the first big model that I'd picked up, and I'm still looking forward to finishing him, <laughs> um, but it's been about a year and a half that I've been working on this army um, and at the outset, you know, I started painting a few things and thought they were cool and whatnot, but like you said, the story really grabbed me. And I was like, well, what, what do I want to do with this army? And, um, what the, the story was so, and it's been adapted a little bit to Age of Sigmar. Um, the, the, the count, uh, Ravenclaw, uh, is a German name, uh, for Ravenclaw. And, uh, he's, uh, he was a human. Um, he had his, um, kind of court and things that he, uh, um, had and at some point he took on the soul blight curse. He became a vampire and um, Did not uh, I, you know I'm stumbling through this because Age of Sigmar and we're just learning about shyish and trying to fit it into the space and So it's stumbling a little bit with the, all the backstory, but in essence what he's done is as he's um, Traveled the realms a bit um, he has gathered the bones and remains of other armies. So he's come across battlegrounds or fought battles himself. And as he's done, so he's claimed kind of prizes from here and there. So it really, what that does is just back up what I was trying to do in my hobby of, of creating. And and what I tried to do is make each unit of my undead army represent another race mm-hmm. or another unit of another army. And so what's some examples here? So, for example, you know, one of the first uh, units that I fell in love with uh, was some models by Titan Forge mm-hmm. and they were undead orc skeletons. Mm-hmm. And I thought they just looked so cool. They were different. And so right there we've got um, a unit of skeleton graveguard because mm-hmm. they're a little bit bigger so they work for that with that bigger stat line. Um and uh they've they've you know just imagine these orc skeletons screaming their waw before battle but being Completely voiceless because right. they're no lungs. So they are the mob of the Silent Wall. Um, and so that's one of the first units that I kind of started um, when building the army. Now, the Skeleton Warriors, I love that kit as they are. And they're, you know, kind of remnants of free people. But um, my unit of 20 has um, a couple of Tomb King skeletons in it. It's got a couple of Empire skeletons with like feathery hats and that sort of thing. It's got a few. Chaos warriors. So, thinking about the story we just said, you know, about these chaos warriors that were kept trying to hit this gate and mm. kept bouncing off. A couple of my skeleton warriors are carrying the chaos shields and, you know, a little bit more um, horned up and that sort of stuff. So, that sort of thing. Now, the the two units that are probably more dramatic um, are some elf units. So, I took some Tomb King archers and was able to use some. Um, elven terrain, some wood elf terrain, and then put wood elf capes from the glade guard onto mm-hmm. them and give they were highly posable right um so they're all shooting up into the air like you would imagine like a shower of arrows. Lally, right um and some of them are up on on logs and some of them are on you know down in the the leaves and stuff and so the just the skeleton archers um represent um the glade guard so the the guardians of the hollow glade and then um <laughs> i took uh the wild rider kit yeah and i basically just took the rider uh legs mm-hmm. and the horns off of the kit and put them onto um horse skeletons but i had to do a little bit i mean the the horse skeletons are basically just prancing mm-hmm. you know there's just kind of like yeah yeah at a, at a slight trot right exactly and so i had to to cut and and move their legs to get them in much more of a jumping pose um and uh was able to kind of give them much more dynamic movement i had tried kind of a centaur mm-hmm. unit prior to this and there's no centaurs really you know present in the realm there's you know the centigors, right which might go there but um but yeah so to was able to take um and put elf um and i took the heads from the wild riders so it's wild riders with bows which mm-hmm. isn't exactly right but you got glade suppose, riders right so that, that ties yeah. in so i but, suppose yeah. if i gave them spears i could make them black knights or something like that but um so but they're they're you know obviously riding steeds rather than um skeleton horses which is really cool and then my probably my centerpiece at Walpaca was the hardest i didn't think i was going to be able to make this one work cuz i just couldn't scour i couldn't find the right pieces um but i found i took um croak yep. which i was stumbled upon him like beginning of the year and i was like wait a minute, how did i not know that there was an undead
1: yeah like a, a <laughs> frog frog yeah like, i'm just I was like, like hell
0: yeah so uh i took him um on his palaquin and um i i, I had him hovering over top of a spawning pool mm-hmm. um, and inside the spawning pool are bones mm-hmm. and they're glowing with the, the spectral glow that I use. And the, so this is cool. Um, and I don't know if the spawning pool totally fits right with the new uh, Seraphon, you know, um, but I think it works.
1: Even if you don't, I mean, you've painted up to have that spectral, yeah. glow the ethereal thing. So even if someone doesn't identify it as a yeah. spawning pool, it still, it still yeah. works. And
0: with I'm, I'm going to get some, those spirit host kind of coming out of it in a future okay. iteration. Um, but then the hard part was how do I, how do I put, um, the tomb guard that would be on that casket of souls? So I made it into this spawning pool of souls. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. And there's not really skeletons big enough to be tomb guard. Like right. the, they're pretty big model. Um, temple guard, the temple guard. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and so, tomb guard. and they're and they're lizards. And so, I I found a company, um, tabletopart.de, mm-hmm. I believe. They had just different skulls from the different races, specifically Warhammer races. Mm-hmm. So there's some demon skulls and some of that sort of stuff. And they had these kind of you know t- um, triceratops type skulls, like you would mm-hmm. imagine. So it's like, okay, I've got that. What else am I going to do? So I actually took. Hormagont bodies. Mm-hmm. So they're tyranids from the 40k universe. Yeah. Have kind of a skeletal
1: feel to them. Right. And right that the exoskeleton kind of works out yep. as an internal and, skeleton for something so, that's bigger. And right? it's kind
0: of buried Yeah, behind the shield and, and the other arm. Yeah. So you don't see it look really closely at it. And it's kind of a scaly back which fits for them. Um and then I just got some some temple guard bits, the arms and weaponry carved the arms to be a little more skeletal you know yep. gave them some more grooves between the muscles instead of you know whatnot um and then yeah just painted with the bone and feels really good yeah
1: um, no and uh again coming back to that story like you, you used all these different components right so we got some kit bashing going on to yep. tell us story. we got some uh repositioning yep. to give some more movement kind of convey that uh you've done it with alternate models uh, yep. that's a, that's a third area that we're doing. Some of it's been, there's some sculpting, there's some like, you know, carving up the uh, arms. Very,
0: and, very, yeah. More, sure. more carving than sculpting. I'm tear, I'm not good with green stuff yet. It's a skill I need to right. practice on. And maybe, maybe I've got a couple of uh, projects that I hope to kind of say, okay, this one, I'm going to do some green stuff mm-hmm. in a better way, you know?
1: Yeah. And then, uh, selecting, you know, models that exist in the range, like croak and using them in particular mm-hmm. ways. And then, and then painting it in a unified way, but also just the way you've painted it, it helps to tell that story again with this ethereal spawning pool. You're like, oh, yeah, I get what's going on with this model. Like, even if I don't, you know, I can look at that and have some idea of the way it's painted up. I'm like, oh, I think I know what's going on here. I yeah. think I know what this model is. So Well, and there's
0: a couple of things. I mean, obviously some of these things aren't beginner. Like, you, mm-hmm. kit bashing is probably the easiest, right? Mm-hmm. You take two kits, you put them together. It's the most yep. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you can get bits somewhere and just, um, for instance, I took... Um, the horse from the black knights right, or the hex race. And, uh, basically from up to the torso, then I put a, a witch elf, um, or warlock. Yep. Uh, from the dark elf line on top of it to make a a very ghostly looking necromancer. Yeah. A lich priest type of thing. And so, but it could be a necromancer. Like it, right. It fits, right. It's just two parts glued together, you know, take this part from that and this part from that. Um, the skeleton horses repositioning is the hardest I have. um, some beast man chariots mm-hmm. that I basically had to turn all, a bunch of skulls and horses into pygmy sized <laughs> horses and That's then right. put, put uh, um pig skulls and I've not finished it cause it is the hardest yeah. like to just glue these things together and make them work. But, but yeah, there's some more difficult things. Um, as for the painting, i went for very minimalistic bases. Mm-hmm. I use um, caulk, some, some um, latex caulk like you'd get at the, in a car gun sure at the it's a, and i put scraped that all around for kind of like a muddy base mm-hmm. i paint it, I dry brush it and make it real simple maybe i put some bits from different things in there yeah kind of stuck up and then you're right i I usually pick i i got a, a magic color for my armies and so for this army it's kind of a toothpaste <laughs> green and then dry brush with white and it just yeah it pops i don't try and wash it or do anything else to it and, yeah um and then everything else, I've just got a formula for going from the the dark up to a bone and a highlight and, and then a splash of red to counteract the green.
1: So you've got some pictures posted up. I mean, I know they've gone on Twitter, but I think a good place, if somebody wanted to take a look, is to uh, look at your YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah you so of...
0: I just put up a, a video on my YouTube channel. It's under Gamer, and uh, the video's uh, in my Wapaka series, mm-hmm. kind of planning for Wapaka. It shows me putting together my display
1: board. Oh, right. Yeah. So I you know, I listed off the kind of six things that helped you tell that story. The seventh is this display board, yeah. you know, really kind of yeah. unifies it.
0: So I've, I've, I have a castle terrain piece that I built up experimenting in some castles terrain and put that up at the tenor on top of a, a back center on top of a hill and a walkway that goes down. There's a, a spiraling stairway that comes down that my skeletons are marching down and across a little bridge over the, mm-hmm. the spectral river. Um, there's a, you know, swamp that the Lord, you know, that the casket of souls was, was sitting in the middle of, um, you know, that sort of thing. There was a castle wall with a hole in it that the orcs were kind of pouring out of as if it was like a cave down mm-hmm. into the, the wall. So just, yeah, tried to theme different parts of the board to the different units and, and make it feel unified and, and like they're coming out of there where they'd been gathered, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So, uh, but yeah, check out that, you know, YouTube channel. Um, starts with the board and then I do a walkthrough of all the units and stuff. Um and obviously I'm always posting new stuff on the on the Twitters. yes yeah. So
1: yeah, absolutely. Check, I mean I I have the advantage of getting seat up close and be many it. a time. And, and be actually we're gonna talk about that in a second here <laughs> in the campaign phase. So you got anything else you wanna to touch on this or we pretty good?
0: No, it's 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 I so I'm working on some really fast and dirty kind of tabletop armies. Yep. And then this is my take my time. Labor or love. Yep. yep. High conversion, do a lot of work for each yep. model. Yeah. And just yeah, so it's good to have both. It's yep. good to not kind of sit yourself in one spot. Exactly. So
1: all right, well let's move to the campaign phase. The campaign phase. In the campaign phase, we explore how the plastic hits the table. Rules, scenarios, new tactics, and narrative campaigns. So we just told you how Eric's army got to the table. Let's talk a little bit about once it's on the table. We're going to talk uh, in general about death units obviously we have not played with every single one or against every single yeah, one
0: i haven't but, built uh, them all or put them all on sure. the table
1: although you've built a lot i mean even even on the lead up there's there's models you did not take to Wapaca that you yeah had built so i mean
0: a lot of the I was, I was doing a lot of switching out of like what heroes do I take because what yep. abilities do i want to give and yep. a lot of them work with the so i have a, basically a skeleton army mm-hmm. um and i really just like skeletons i like the look i like the clean cleanness of them in mm-hmm. the sea of like muddy and dirty, the zombies are gross mm-hmm. and ghouls, whatnot, um so mostly we've played with the death rattle um yep, you know kind of stuff, skewed with, that way for sure, with different heroes and different uh um, yep. war machines and I'd
1: say and if stuff. anything it, uh yeah, a lot of the supplementary stuff has felt like tomb King yep. um, related, but are you know from those scrolls, but uh let's start it off give me give me an overall sense of how you feel like um. I would say Death Armies overall, but let's you can speak more specifically to yours. How how yeah. the what's the the strength and weakness of it? Yeah.
0: So on one end of the spectrum, and I don't play this spectrum, but the the zombie side of the spectrum is definitely an overwhelming horde side of the spectrum where mm-hmm. um that particular unit kind of becomes the center of the army because you're growing it. You can have multiple units of it that mold and press into one. Um and they're hard to get rid of and mm-hmm. they're hard to to put down. Um and so they they really play like you would expect zombies to play, and they get brutal the more of them they are. Mm-hmm. Just the the to hit, I think they get down super low. Yep. Um, and you know there's a few things to buff them, but they're not. It's not a wide range of things. Um, you know some of the heroes will, but um, necromancer will will buff buff them. Um, there's corpse carts that will buff them, um, and there's a couple other maybe heroes that. Mm-hmm help them out, but not many. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of an isolated side of the army that, you know, you would, if you want just this horde of things that works really well, right? do that. And I think, you know, you've got kind of three horde types in death. You've got flesh eaters, mm-hmm. um, you've, which is ghouls. Ghouls. Yep. Um, you've got the night walkers, dead walkers, dead walkers, which are the zombies. zombies. And then you've got the death rattle, which are the, the, the skeletons. skeletons. And they're all kind of, they all buff they get better as you get higher in number um but they work sl- they work different you know they just a little bit differently and so the skeletons i've from day one i've wanted to have a group of 20 maybe 30 skeletons on the table and 20 has been really nice it doesn't feel like you're putting too much into skeletons warriors <laughs> um, but they're basically if you can att- if you can manage i mean the the trick with them is if you can get them all Twenty of them mm-hmm. to the enemy and attack first. Right, you're going to do some damage. Yeah, it's going to be great.
1: Well, and here's so playing against it, and we've kind of strayed off the the overall thing, but you know, talk, talking about these skeletons, um, there's a number of units here that had gained these benefits. You know, we talked about zombies or skeletons, and then uh, key with the undead is that your banners will bring people back. So a lot of times, the strategy against some of these some of these armies would be like, well, okay, like if I if i chip 5 dudes off this unit of 24 it's going to be manageable and they're going to be underneath their you know their 20 breakpoint they won't have that benefit yep. and
0: the key is the, yeah get them underneath that magic number that get gives them a extra it. hit or, but
1: i can't just fire and forget i can't just knock those 5 off cuz they're going to come back that banner is going to start bringing them back so I, you it's uh it's, there's always been this balance of like all right i i kind of don't want to hit this unit until i can wipe it out although on certain turns like it it um it can really change change the priorities on who piles in when it's like you know i can't let these skeletons fight before uh before i get a chance to chip some of their guys off and you know from the other side you're like well i really want to swing these guys so it's it's interesting how even that that small unit speaking from an overall term what i've what i've seen and it's you know specific to your army but i think in general it's not a it's not a particularly fast army it has some access to some fast elements. But overall, yeah,
0: you swap out um, the speed for some reliability, right? So you, you are guaranteed a six inch charge,
1: right? Yeah, this is a good point. Um, And so you,
0: you're shambling forward at Mm -hmm. four inches. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're guaranteed. So you're basically guaranteed a 10 inch, you know, if you're 10 10 away, you're going to make it into comment
1: 10 and a half because you only have to get within half, right? right? right. So, So,
0: and then there's a few things that buff that movement. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Necrotech, yeah, um, gives you a plus three to your move. There's a few things that will give give you a little bit of speed boost, um, and we're just looking at the the new Death Rattle Legion scroll yep. that gives you a four inch move in your hero phase. Right? Yeah, um, so it's an additional four inches of movement. So you're basically yeah. turning a four inch movement unit into an eight inch.
1: Yeah. Speaking uh, of that one, particularly, uh, it'd be interesting to see how that applies if you could retreat out of combat and use that, and mm-hmm. then head somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know how that'll play out, but yeah. yeah that that can really unexpectedly boost some speed but yeah. uh, but at its core it's it's felt yeah. like you know not reliability like we talked about the reliable charges yep. uh and bravery ten is big about being well, reliable like you can you can take those hits and not expect the whole thing yep. to just uh collapse
0: and here's where i think um undead by far are the best summoners mm. um you've got relatively low for necromancers, you got a relatively low casting. To yeah, summon a lot of these things. The range at which you can drop the range them is, is pretty 18 decent inches. Yeah, which, which is, is I think
1: um, definitely better than demons. Yep, demons are. Uh, I think seraphon are fifteen. Demons are usually twelve if yeah. I'm remembering correctly. So, so
0: they've got the the longest range, which is, um, and and if you summon if you roll a certain amount, so you start at a minimum number. If I mm-hmm. summon skeletons, it's ten. If I summon Graveguard, it's five. If I, if I roll high though, yeah. I get double that basically. Sure. So usually, you know, to bank on it, right. Um, you, you, have got to be able to put something up there and usually you're, you're throwing roadblocks cause 10 of something isn't a lot, but if you can roll high and roll 20, mm-hmm. now you're rolling a, a damage force or, you know, you get great 10 grave guard and you're, that force is going to damage and you can, you can set them within nine yep. of the enemy, um, which then gives them, you know, on their turn, like we said, ten and a half is what they need, right, right. to guarantee that they're in. So they're in if you, yeah. if they get the turn next. But, um, but so that some of their speed comes from summoning. Mm-hmm. Um, often I'll, or they're, you know, they've got some horses. Um, I always put my necromancers on horses mm-hmm. just to let them boogie out yep. a little bit faster, yeah, uh, if they need to give them some range. Um, but also, what I did a lot in um, in the wapaka game was i use them as kind of um, <laughs> to run up and then summon stuff further down the line yep. so almost to like just so i've run 10 or yep. if i run <coughs> that's movement 10 plus 6 so 16 yep. and then i can i um, cast 18 so i'm you know, can not, drop some guys way not way all down, on the same yeah. turn, but you know, sure. over two turns.
1: And uh, again, talking about this 18, 18 inch, like that, that's a big deal. Like that, uh, the difference between a eighteen inch summoning bubble and a twelve is is pretty big. Especially when you, you bear in mind staying nine away from the enemy, yeah. your geometry can get pretty tough with summoning demons. There's not a lot of landing spots. If yeah. you expand that bubble out to eighteen, all of a sudden you got more access. Yeah. And I don't know if some of that comes from, uh, you know, potentially squishier casters, although they do have some durability. Yeah, I mean there's but, there's six up. Um,
0: yeah. normally and then you know you can but and you don't necessarily want to spend the time on shields right mm-hmm. it, it depends on your how you're playing yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean
1: you, you play by your I, I know I know uh just running down the summoning thing that was one of the things we found with playtesting your army is for a while you just had the one necromancer and we talked about it I was like you know what let's you need a second one in there because you have these pressures about I want to summon this stuff but I also want to be able to cast these buff spells or have yeah. that potential and so there's there's a a high demand on your if you are an army that brings summoning. there's a high demand on your uh on your number of casts and so absolutely
0: and and i i tend to believe um so i think synergy is not overrated Mm -hmm. but and i think if anybody if any army is going to have good good um overall synergy because they've got an 18 inch bubble most Mm -hmm. of the the area of effect of a caster or a hero is 18 inches. Right. So it's a pretty good distance to be away from your, you know, whatever. And so you can set your necromancer in the middle and have things, you know, um, spread out 36 inches to Mm -hmm. get that further because it just needs to touch that end Mm -hmm. to get that boost, Mm -hmm. right? So you can be all over the table and get that buff from your heroes. Um, But um, usually... I'm running a couple of casters because I'm sending one with one unit of things over here mm-hmm. so that it can either summon or boost a specific unit in a certain specific way. Yeah. And the other one's over here boosting this one in a certain specific way. Right. So you, it's not as important that your whole army synergizes, mm-hmm. but that you have the right kind of unit groups. Packages. To, you know, packages. Right. Yeah. Now, certainly if it synergizes all over, which I mean, again, the, the death army does, mm-hmm if you need to change up your strategy on the fly or do something
1: a little different, you have that flexibility, right? Whether you're going to stack those benefits yep. or spread them a little yep. bit, whether you need to yep. focus them or not. But so. like
0: from the bone giant, I mean, he's always going to run forward and he always needs yeah. a little support.
1: A little bit. And he, but he's a good example of someone who operates pretty independent. Like he can kick out some damage. So um, let's see. So what we, have touched on summoning um, hmm. we touched on the reliability so touched on not, not a super amount of speed, although deceptive, because if you have somebody who can range far and then yeah. cast and summon beyond that, that's good. Uh, but you also have access to some pretty decent heavy hitters, like yeah. the Tomb King, like the Morgas, like well, the Bone Giant. Yeah. You and have access to the Rend and the high damage that some armies don't necessarily yeah. have access to. Well, so
0: and monsters, for sure, yep. like heroes on monsters. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and, and looking at the, the uh, Grand Alliance death, so mm-hmm. this was... You've Got the three more mm-hmm. or sorry, more tarks, which are you know each has their own kind of style and flair. Yep. Um, but yeah, Manfred being a beast, uh, in combat
1: and, and fast and caster. I mean, he's uh, yeah, yeah, and he's, a caster, yeah. I mean, to have he's all rounder for sure,
0: just, so he's kind of like, yeah. Um, and then you know, Arcan, super caster, and of course, Nagash, you've got probably one of the you know, he's probably the biggest, you know, baddie, yeah, but he's. He stands a chance against the, you know all the the big baddies you know archon yep. archaon and and uh, malekith and yep. whatever um so um yeah i mean and then and then yeah you've got even the the morgast um the kind of protectors the guardians of of the mortarks you know they're heavy hitters they've got the rent they're moving around fast yeah um some of them you know, the archai can even bounce mortal wounds which is a great bodyguard for the the um, necromancer. Yep. You want a four up. He can ship wounds can ship away from wound, him, which, which turns are mortal into wounds, a mortal which wounds. Which and then the the archai can try and get rid them. of that. Yep. I, know, I think a five up. Um, so you know, there's there's some good ways to yeah to add a little durability and. And that sort of stuff. And they're just beat sticks.
1: So, so we're kind of, we're kind of floating around a little bit yeah. and that's fine. We're, we're getting some good stuff okay. here. I'm going to, I'm going to bring us in Do with it. a couple of questions. Yeah. Here. All right. So Tighten in it. uh talk to me about in your gaming so far, uh, would you identify one or two scrolls in particular models, however you want to term it as, as an MVP for your force or yeah, something yeah. that you you feel like you get a lot of mileage out pretty regularly.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, if you, I'm kind of on a kick where I, I think that uh, – and I think some people will say it and some people won't, but all models, all units are valuable depending on the game you're playing, the scenario you're playing, the person you're playing against, and the army you're playing against. Um, I love 20 skeletons. I'd love to bump it to 30, but I feel like if I bump it to 30, people are going to avoid it more, mm-hmm. right? It 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 becomes scarier on the table and people are like, eh. Yeah. So 20 – people want to go after it and it, and what I've been able to do is kind of center a strategy around that unit, bubble wrap them with grave guard. Um, you have to go through the grave guard first and you might, and if you do good, because then I can pile in with mine. And I've done it a couple of times to success, but if you put your, it depends on what unit you like Mm -hmm. and then coming up with a strategy to maximize that unit's abilities. Right. Um, I like my, the necromancer, um because he's a utility does does a ton of different things i mean obviously you can buff a, the save you can you know with a mystic shield you can do the core things that you can with your wizards it's his spell his spell is double pile right but then yeah, yeah but then he's got his own double pile and then each then it's the summoning yep. right um so the double pile in for skeletons is brutal on top of that again if you put my strategy is around those twenty skeletons getting in at full strength and doing mm-hmm. what they want to do, mm-hmm. um, so double pile in at the right time is great um, to to just amp them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so of my army, they they put out the most damage, but they're also the most you know. It's timing, it's it's finesse kind of right. thing, right? Exactly. Which you don't think of like a horde of skeletons being a finesse thing, but I mean, they can. If you don't protect them, they're gonna die pretty fast. So
1: sure. I, I can say from the other side. I'm usually usually the things I'm thinking hardest about are your Bone Giant, just because he has the, Ren two damage three and the potential. So like his, he's
0: he's MVP not because he always puts out the right damage, right? I mean, he when he does, it's fantastic. This is
1: what I'm saying is like yeah. I'm always thinking about him because of the the potential threat he has. Yeah. Like if he rolls well, he can do an insane amount of damage, yeah. and so. I'm always thinking hard how to, and he's he's also a single model, so he concentrates that killing power. That's balanced by the skeletons at the same time. So I'm usually, I find when I'm looking at your army, I'm thinking, here's the threat of the bone giant, here's the threat of the skeletons. The other things, there's some dangerous things about the other ones, but these are the big ones that I need to try and set up my combats where uh, where I'm not trying to pile on both at the same time. Because yeah. I I need to be able to take out one and then the other and if I try to take them on both then one one or both of them are going to get the swing at me. Yeah. So
0: now I'm really excited to play some of the other things. So, I mean,
1: before sure. Yeah, so here's my next question, right? Yeah. Uh on that subject, what uh what is a scroll you have not played with yet that you are really looking forward to getting out there?
0: So, I'm I am interested in playing um I think what I'm most excited about is um like vampire lord on a zombie dragon
1: mm, nice okay um it's it's again it's, it's because of because of something that it does or just because of the visual like the it's visual. fun to put so monster I've got, around
0: i've got an idea for i've got the um the the phoenix okay the fire uh, flame spire phoenix um with a i'm gonna put my zombie or sorry no, my zombie my my vampire lord on top of him mm-hmm. so flying around and he's gonna be kind of a, a green black feathers with my ethereal flame coming off of him, just a different model mm-hmm. than the one they have kind of going off my theme. Um, but he's, I mean, I like the more Like I said, I want to build Manfred, but my army is so unique that I like unnamed characters right. in my army. You and, know I- and I think that that vampire Lord and zombie dragon is the equivalent alternatively, um, kind of on the tomb King side. I took, um, the Griffin from the empire kit, yeah. Um, the big griffin, and uh, painted it up like a statue, like a copper statue, and uh, you know can play that as uh, like a necro sphinx or a tomb king on a um, um, royal war sphinx, so something like that. If I put the the so, you know, being able to have those on the table to play against, and they're I mean again they're high output. They mm-hmm. come in and they do a lot of damage. I don't know how fragile they are. I don't know how to position them. I don't know how to play them. Yeah, um, you know the bone giant is basically the biggest mobile unit that i can't play with i've only put nagash on the table uh, a couple of times so i don't usually you know (laughs) don't usually fly him in and say "Hey, let's play with nagash um so i think some of those bigger models i feel like age of sigmar pushes you to have these you know a bigger you know hero on a on a monster Mm -hmm. as part of your army and i think that i think the game just changes when you get up there
1: all right. So uh, one thing you were saying about your army is you feel like you feel like every unit has value depending on the situation and all that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So you gonna challenge me on that? No, no. Okay. I, I'm gonna say uh, think about <laughs> think about the units you've used. Which ones do you feel like you have not successfully gotten value out of it? And I'm not saying it's that the unit doesn't have value. I'm saying that you haven't maybe you haven't uh, cracked the code them. or unlocked how uh, to use. So, yeah. so what, what do you think you <sighs> feel like you've been squandering or not really seen the full potential of?
0: So I think, um, I haven't built enough mounted units. Mm-hmm. So whether, um, horse archers or mm-hmm. black knights or mm-hmm. hex race, okay. I don't have enough of them. I think they come they start at unit fives, but I think you need a few more for them to start being durable enough to do what you need them to do. Could be, um, and they're mobi- more, more, there's mobility there, you mm-hmm. know, and, and playing against your slinish fast cavalry, I'm like, can I counter that yeah. with some other cavalry? Yeah. I don't know. Um, the other side, I think my grave guard are my. I love the, those orc models. In ten, they need to be in ten. Like you can't go less than that. Five is just a roadblocker.
1: That's five wounds with with an yeah. okay not and, great and save. Yeah, again, if they yeah. get in
0: at full strength, but I, I hardly ever get the grave guard at full strength, and I've kind of instead of reaching their full potential, they're they're a buffer for my other skeletons, which. Right. Maybe I should use something else to bubble wrap them instead of Graveguard. Yeah. So I don't think I've unlocked them. I don't know if they need to go to 15. Um, and then, and then movement. I mean, you can't, you can only summon five of them. Mm-hmm. So unless you're real high and summon 10, again, five isn't going to do much. So it's hard to get them where they need to go. Um, So they either end up guarding a, you know, guarding a, an objective or, you know, bubble wrapping something. So I haven't really unlocked them and I feel like they should be cooler than they, I play them um and then there's a bunch of this yeah the spirit stuff that I haven't um got in there yet um I have a cool combo that I haven't tried or i tried it in one game but uh and it worked for me one time um the screaming Skull catapult mm-hmm. when you aim it at a unit it ne- nega- subtracts two from their um bravery mm-hmm. and then um I've got a banshee, so they're two different you know kind of. And they, she does a scream, and I, a terrorgeist would do a similar scream, uh, 2d6 versus the bravery. Right. So you lower the bravery, you, you roll 2d6 over there, you know, and you should easily get over the bravery, and for each one of those, you you do a, a mortal wound. Mm-hmm. So that's a combo that I would love to pull off more, but the um, I haven't gotten that on the table enough, you know, so having a couple of banshees, you know, flying around while you're... Uh, your necrotech gives your screaming skull, you know, two shots each round, Yeah, you know, just shouting, just like, Hey, dead. <laughs> Hey, you dead. <laughs> get off my lawn. Dead. <laughs> so, you know, just some, some combos like that, that, you know, yeah, again, there's, there's, you're right. There are quite a few things that deal out mortal wounds mm-hmm. that have rend, mm-hmm. um, that do multiple damage. Yep. Um, and you can find things that have movement, um, you got to balance that with the hordes where you want to get them in a position to hold objectives and you want to s- sneak them up and be like, Oh shit, the skeletons got to me. <laughs> sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, as far as seeing it from the other side of the table, I would, I would agree with that assessment of the, uh, like your, your archer cav your skeleton cav uh, they have that ability to swap their move and, and shoot phase. Right. So they can do yeah. some shoot and scoot sort of stuff. But, um, we haven't been in a, situation on the board to really see that they they usually yeah. end up being kind of sacrificial. So I feel yeah. like they've got potential that hasn't been explored yeah. on there. So,
0: so I think some other types of objectives and types of games where you're trying to, you know, in the breakthrough yep. where you're trying to get them off to the other side of the table, I think they'd be more valuable, but yep. five be. of them yeah. get busted up pretty quick. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, so. uh, and yeah, the, the, the screaming skull slash squeaking skull catapult. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't mention that guy. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's undead scaven running it. Um, that's a relatively new addition to your force. And when we, we actually played each other at Wapaka, uh, it was kind of hurting my brain figuring out, Oh man, like it's got a nectar check sitting next to it and it does four wounds a pop. Yeah. If it, if so it gets full through. strength it does. Yeah. It, it's yeah. So mm, if, it, if it fires off two shots, four wounds a piece, you know, all of a sudden all my heroes, you know, you got range on all my stuff. Like I've, I've got, I've got, uh, I gotta be concerned about losing guys right off the bat. If you, if you get lucky. So, that, that would, uh, Definitely increase the pressure. It's um, actually,
0: it's actually, it's not as hard. as one shot. You roll one dice to see if it hits, and it does maximum four damage.
1: Yeah, but your nectar tech is saying you. Can so shoot yeah, targets. you could yeah. do you could do eight, eight damage. Yeah, yeah. Right? exactly. So yeah. if it hits, and that's it's, it's got it's got a hit, it's got a wound, and our same got a fail. Value like yeah, yeah, is negative two bravery. But, for those but here's the thing: it's, it's the same as like we were talking about with the, the
0: accidental, like yeah, potential.
1: Right. Exactly. Like if uh, well, now I know I can't sit here because if he gets lucky. And all right. of a sudden, I'm in the hole, and I'm all the way back over yeah. here. So you I can't say
0: play. I won't ever hit the five up, three up, right? right. Exactly. You know?
1: or whatever, whatever it may be. Same thing with the same thing with that bone giant. It's like he's got this huge potential. I gotta, I gotta worry about that potential. Like I gotta things. Just, yeah, yeah. So, um, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Brief overview th- of what we know. You got, you I got think, anything else yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, to?
0: I think death has, even though it's probably got, it's got the least number of units mm-hmm. compared to chaos. It does. Yeah, and other things that are, you know it has quite a bit of variety in these different things and how they play.
1: I think it has access to a lot of the different, you know, things you want. Like you talked about damage, rent, and and kind of
0: that flavor. I mean, I, like I said, I'm really, I really like the, the bone stuff and I'm going to think I'm going to do vampire next, the soul blight. And so, you know, I can kind of theme around that and it's kind of fun for theming. It's, and it's fun for just kind of sticking to, to what kind of flavor of dead things you like. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I would definitely encourage anybody. It's a popular army. Um, I think a lot of people want to do death because it's, uh, like you said, it's it's where everything ends up anyway. <laughs> when I kill Davy's army, I'm just adding to my own, really, uh, and so everything comes home to death at, at some point. Nice. Right. <laughs> so uh, Nagash loves you. He wants to embrace you. Please, uh, you know, pick up that malignant box and uh, join me. Yeah. So that's our first adventure to Shaiish, um, and uh, uh, getting to see Nagash uh, in the flesh uh, was was pretty epic. Yeah. Uh, please um, share these episodes, um, the Mortal Realms podcast, with uh, people you know. People getting into the hobby, um, we really try and gear these towards. Kind of getting into it as, as a as a new player and getting into the story so that you're excited to to build and hobby in this in this environment.
1: Yeah. Um, if you like what you hear, let people know, and uh, if you get a chance, maybe drop us a rating or a review on uh, iTunes. We appreciate that. Helps um, us uh, build up a little visibility there and get some. But uh, huge huge thanks to everyone who uh, for the kind comments on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow us there, I'm at red underscore zeke. And I'm at StoneMonkGamer. And
0: there's, like I said, there's a YouTube channel to take a look at if you're interested. Um, And I I post that stuff on Twitter all the time, so you won't miss out.
1: Yeah. All right. We'll uh, be talking to you again before too much longer. And uh, thanks for joining us in the realm of Shyish.
0: Well, our time has expired, and it's time for our reforging. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mortal Realms Podcast. If you know someone who's curious about Age of Sigmar, tell them about this podcast. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, Mal is at Mortal Realms, Davy is at Red underscore Zeke, and Eric is at Stone Monk Gamer. For Sigmar! For Sigmar! Blood for the Blood God. It was like 3 hours of recording. I'm sure the coughing was at least half hour. <laughs> <coughs> 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 Just like keep all of those in. It's going to be amazing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh <clears throat> Agua. I need it. <coughs> <coughs> Evergreen. <Irmageddon. laughs> Nurgle, take pity on your servants.